There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo, and welcome back. We're doing part two of our big Infinity War roundup. I don't know why it's a roundup specifically. Yeah, it was roundup. Come and on and join the fun. A crew of cosmic cowboys to, <laughs> to get into this roundup with me, apparently. <laughs> First, the person who can't stop laughing, it's Peaches. Peaches, what's up, cowboy? Have you ever yeed so hard that you hawed? Because I have. Yeehaw! What's up? What's going on, man? I've Partner. also got uh, the, <laughs> the Lord of Sound himself. It's Chris. Chris, what's up, buddy? I'm sorry, I'm just having this mental image of Thanos while he's rounding up the Infinity Stones <laughs> of his face appearing in the sky above the mountain on Vormir and him just going, <laughs> Yeah! I can't go any higher than that. I'm really sorry, y'all. I've been watching a lot of Tiger King and King of the Hill, and all of a sudden I've got a Tiger King accent. of the Hill. <laughs> Tiger King of the Hill. Okay, so someone's gonna have to explain Tiger King to me because all of a sudden, when people aren't talking about quarantining, they're talking about Joe Tiger or whatever his name is. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. My God. Oh my goodness. I, we will talk about this after the show, but if okay. anybody anybody out there, if you're not watching Marvel movies, go watch Tiger King because it is wild, and that is not a pun. Uh, we've also got Ryder uh, for all things uh, Assembly Required and Squad Up. It's Robbie. Robbie, what's up, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. Just um, trying to remember what it's like to leave the house. <laughs> the world is so different from when we recorded part one. Yes. <laughs> I know. We recorded what? it before everything went to hell. <laughs> It's almost kind of um, true weird. to the story of Infinity War. Like it blipped out there, and it blipped in the movie. And now no, I got we're no. Right. There have been like memes about like well, because like pollution is down, animals are kind of reclaiming stuff that that had been, and it's like Thanos was right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that dolphins returned to Lake Michigan, so things <laughs> <What>? are great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what in the spirit of things half of us should get eliminated from this episode right now just when you okay sound lord when you right. when you load this just pick two of us at random and remove our audio <laughs> whoever has the worst audio that's just getting removed sorry Robbie. <laughs> that is not random or calculated now you're the villain well here's here's a question just the this really wouldn't fit anywhere else in the episode. If Thanos were really, truly eliminating everyone at random, was it possible that he, was he included in that, or was it half of everyone else in the universe, but me, Thanos, I'll get to chill? Well, it has to be everybody but him, 
because somebody could just pick up the Infinity Gauntlet afterwards right. and oh, undo, undo everything it. that everything oh, it is. So, like in the, the comic, yeah, right. Okay. So for the good of everyone, he had to be the lone survivor. Although comics Thanos, who was always subconsciously sabotaging his own plans, totally would have done that. Right. Although comic right. Thanos, it wasn't random. There's this part where he talks about he left like. I can't remember who it was, but he chose to leave someone behind or chose to eliminate someone else or something like that. It's... Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, more proof that his whole plan has no no place for sympathy. And he you used know, so, Thanos was writers. And it's funny you if say that. If he really were benevolent. I don't know. It's funny you say that because there was this mindset when this movie came out about like people on people like Twitter people acted like Thanos was made so empathetic that, like, his plan was made to make sense. But no, it's awful, and he's evil. And, like, I'm watching... I rewatched the commentary again today, and on that part where he brings up Titan, the the, the Johnson brothers are sitting there... Not the Johnson brothers. Um, uh, <laughs> the Dwayne Russo brothers. And, Dwayne and Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> the Russo brothers... The Russos. The scene where he shows what Titan's like. Like, they're sitting there like, you know, that, uh... That planet doesn't look like it's dying. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. Making fun of Thanos' motivations. Like, it wasn't meant to be taken. It was meant to be taken as he's insane. And somehow there was, there's two groups of people. On, there, there's people who take it as he's insane and he's a bad guy. There's people who take it as, um, no, no, this is bad. It's wrong. Stop treating him like he's a hero when no one is. Except for then there's a group of people that are, you know what? No. This makes sense. <laughs> this that would be three groups. This, this, this <laughs> we'll have to get rid guy. of one and a half of them. <laughs> All right. Well, no, last I, time. Ever, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. no. I'm thinking about, like, with the planes crashing and everything and, and, like, directing, like, his snap. Like, he could have spared the pilots if he'd thought about that. and But, but he didn't. So he caused even more death that way. And you ever see The Day the Earth Stood Still? I have not. No. no. Okay, well, I've never seen the the remake, which uh, which I, I think Scott Derrickson directed, going back to Doctor Strange. But uh, uh, but the original, um, when when uh, when Klaatu, the alien, comes to Earth and he makes this uh, this show of strength, and he stops all electronics on the planet except for hospitals and airplanes and vehicles because he didn't want anyone to die. <laughs> Does the only uh, electronics Keanu Reeves version? Scott Derrickson. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. That I, I thought of that one to say it was, but hey, let's talk about this movie. I'll shut up now. <laughs> well last time Sorry, it's just human contact. <laughs> on assembly required, we spoke about uh, everything that kind of happened so far. Thanos um, had just acquired the Soul Stone by killing his daughter Gamora. Iron Man, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and the Guardian of the Galaxy are on Titan awaiting Thanos. The Secret Avengers are with Black Panther and the Wakandan army to protect Vision and the Mind Stone from the Black Order. And Thor, Rocket, and Groot are on Nidvalier. N- Nidvalier? You're getting Nidvalier, there. you got it. Uh, to acquire a new weapon for the God of Thunder, but the forge has been shut down by Thanos. Um, now, all kinds of things are happening right now. We're going to start off going to Peaches. But all kinds of things are happening oh, right now. All kinds of things are happening in the MCU. All of it is culminating right here. And at this point in the movie, right after Gamora dies, you sort of understand the stakes that you're at. You understand 
you understand how much there is to lose. And I think Gamora dying, you when Loki dies, you think, oh, it's kind of serious, whatever. But when Gamora dies, you're like, oh, wait. Because you kind of almost expect Loki to die at the beginning, right? We all talked about like a lot of the kill lists had Loki on them. We kind of assumed Loki was going to die. But Gamora, I don't think anybody pictured Gamora being one of the ones dying, specifically the way Thanos kills her. Um, and so this movie sets a sort of sets stakes that not a lot of the other MCU movies can compete with. And Peaches, you uh, you, you think it, it it done real good with the stakes there, didn't you? We're gonna be it's gonna be a roundup this whole episode. I'm sorry. Oh oh, it it done real good with the stakes. <laughs> Medium rare, I'd say. Okay, I'm so sorry for that. That was terrible. Wow wow, what a good lead in. So here's <laughs> I've talked about. I've talked about this on other episodes, I believe, maybe even earlier in this this same episode, but in part one, I don't remember. But the deal with the MCU is that for a long time, there was not necessarily a problem, but there was this, I guess, stigma that characters in the MCU, at least heroes, would not die. And I don't think it's personally necessary for heroes to die, but when you're watching this cinematic universe at the same time that shows like game of thrones exist in the world that uses character death to kind of like propel the story forward and kind of shake things up a bit. It always kind of felt weird that nobody in the MCU ever seemed to have any consequences, right? Like it it felt like every hero had immunity from death. And in some cases that felt like maybe they could have, you know, let that character move on for the sake of the plot. I think I, I think now that I'm talking about this, I mentioned War Machine at the end of Civil War. Like I felt like there were actually no consequences because he was totally fine. Now the reason that I'm setting that up is because I think that this movie really brings that seriousness in a way that we have not quite seen before. Yeah, you, you're right. We expect Loki to die because Loki has died in some way in like every movie we've seen him in so far, or at least we think he did, or or he's in some sort of consequence that we're like, ah, he won't get away with it next time. Uh, he's done for good. And no, this time he's like dead, dead. I guess at least for now, he's dead, dead. And same thing with Heimdall. And then you get to Gamora and you're like, oh, oh, we're really killing people. Like... <laughs> This is for real. Um, And at the same time, and I will say there's a light side to this because this whole movie does a great job of throwing in the humor too. It's like the weirdest, most effective mix of humor and extreme seriousness. The most seriousness we've had in the MCU uh, overall in one movie. Um, But because of that, it feels like it really is coming straight from the comics. I think all of this makes it feel like an actual comic book movie. You know, characters die in comics all the time and writers find ways to bring them back. We've talked about that several times. In this case, in the greater MCU, we don't know at this point who will end up coming back, but it just has more of a comic book feel to it. And I really appreciate that. Um, And I don't really know where I'm going with this from here. (laughs) Because this point is such a mix because I wanted to talk about how it's funny while it's super serious. Um, But to go to the other side, the lighter side of this, like this movie still is really funny. 
Like, <laughs> this movie makes us laugh a lot. There's so much dialogue in it that's great. Some of the notes that I jotted down um, revolve around characters that have never met before that are meeting for the first time. Like when Star-Lord meets uh, Tony on the ship and he takes Spider-Man hostage and they have that whole interaction, you know, where is Gamora? Who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? Like, <laughs> it's really funny. And, and, and one thing specifically that I'd like to bring up is that Drax in this movie finally feels like the Drax from Guardians 1 again, which really made me happy like specifically him being the invisible man (laughs) um and i don't know i just it's such a weird balance that this movie just to me hits perfectly where at one moment you're laughing and at another moment you can truly feel the seriousness and the gravity of the situation in a way that doesn't affect the humor in a negative way and if you guys feel differently about that please let me know you know i was thinking about what you were saying and as i was thinking about it i was trying to think of other mediums that kind of know how to play that balance with humor and seriousness and i keep coming back to cartoons you think of your your best action cartoons i'm thinking um teen titans i'm thinking avatar the last airbender i'm thinking a lot of Mm. these sort of you know it's a it's a weird type of cartoon that I'm describing right now. I think you could probably classify some of them as young adult, whatever you want to classify. But they tend to do a really good job of finding this balance between humor and and, and sort of more emotional takes, right? More evocative emotional takes. And I don't think live action had gotten to that point yet until Marvel. Really, we we hadn't really found that. I mean, and some had done it, but they I don't think they had found the right. And I, this is like a pun because we're talking about Infinity War, but they hadn't like balanced the scales yet. They hadn't like found the right the, the, the right balance. And I think um, if there's going to be any medium that you're going to re- kind of go back to, it's going to be th- that type of animation style, in my opinion, which is I probably coming from comic books. So we're, we're doing a big circle here. So Well, and you saying uh, that it reminded you of Avatar is like, oh, that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> because, right? Because right? I'm because a huge, <laughs> huge Avatar fan too. So, but yeah, now I'm thinking about Appa getting kidnapped. So thanks. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm going to agree while disagreeing a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I agree that this movie struck a great, a great balance. Um, I don't think that it had not been done before because I think there's a great tradition of adventure movies. And uh, like the first one that came to mind for me is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which has a great balance of, you know, there are real stakes they're killing nazis and you know god is smiting folks all over the place at the end but it's got really fun moments uh really thrilling moments uh there's i mean the great scene of uh the the whole marketplace fight scene is just a lot of fun so so i think that there is a tradition in cinema as well um but i also do agree that you know it does remind me a lot of some of the more i don't even want to call them serious cartoons but but animation, like TV animation, has like really had sort of a renaissance the past decade or so, I guess I want to say. I mean, there's always been good TV animation, but like, like there seems to be a lot where there's where they where the people who are making the shows are making it accessible for kids, but stuff that an adult doesn't have to feel, you know, 
like they have to close the blinds to watch in their own home. You know, like it's embarrassing. Like I've, uh, I just finished up. I mean, it's ongoing now, but I'm caught up after having never seen before Clone Wars. And that's a, that's a show that, that does, I mean, just like the Star Wars movies, it does a, like, uh, like this was a show that aired on Cartoon Network and there are episodes that are all about like Senate backroom deals, <laughs> um, but it still manages <laughs> to be entertaining for kids too. I, uh, because you you've got a lot of humor and stuff mixed in with it, uh, so so yeah no I I I, th- I think this movie has a great great balance. I just want to clarify I and if I said like of all movies that's not what I meant like I meant in the MCU it fe- it feels like the first movie that had the gravity that it had like we've talked before that other movies had a mm-hmm. a big air of seriousness but this is the one for me that really like. I felt it in my chest, like right away. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. cool I cool, want to cool, make cool, the cool, cool, argument, cool. maybe it's not an argument, because I don't know if anybody's going to disagree with me or have an opinion at all, but I think a lot of those cues that we're talking about that come to animation are coming from Japanese animation, because specifically, this is like a, a, a style that Japan has been doing for years. A lot of the classic Japanese animes find this balance of humor along with tend to be a little bit more i don't want to call them adult themes because that has such a weird connotation to it but more serious mature type struggles that the protagonists go through in those shows and i think that evolution was brought on initially by the wave of initial anime that came over and then that blending of styles between american and japanese animation i definitely think a lot of the animators who are working today uh grew up watching a lot of anime and you see that in the visual style and in the storytelling style as well I agree. <laughs> and I'm Yeehaw. sorry, but when you said Japanese animes, it made me think of Metal Gear Solid. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's just hey. like one of my Japanese anime. <laughs> hey, Robbie, when you unmute your mic, tell us what you think about anime. I don't have a lot of feelings on anime, but I do know that um, like the Clone Wars literally started as basically a Western Eastern cartoon. I don't know the right way to put that. Basically, a, an anime-inspired cartoon just made in the West. Um, and then it expanded into the CG cartoon. Um, but it was, uh, cause it was originally made by the maker of Samurai Jack, if I'm not mistaken. The, uh, the original hand-drawn mm-hmm. one. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, yeah, Gandhi Tartakovsky. Yes, Gandhi Tartakovsky, yes. Um, and his style was, he is a Western animator, but he was making, um, a little bit of his own style, but heavily inspired by anime. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Avatar. That's an American. That's a Western show. I don't yes. know if it's American or Canadian, but but the visuals are are straight up like anime. Absolutely. And you know, I'm going to push back a little bit on your other point, Peaches. Only a little bit, though, because my opinion on this has changed over the years. Um, but when I initially saw this in theaters, I was a little disappointed with the stakes in this movie. And part of that is my own fault because I am, you know, a buff and I'm reading up on all the news that's coming out. And so we haven't gotten to that point yet. But as far as stakes are concerned, when the snap happens and you see some of the the heroes start to fade away, I didn't feel as much as I should. I still got really, you know, teary eyed with Peter and everything, but I didn't feel as much as I felt like I should have because I knew Black Panther 2 was already slated and the next Spider-Man movie was already slated and some of these movies I knew were just kind of already coming out. So I was like, all right, well, they're all obviously coming back. So I almost felt like some of the stakes weren't there. 
at this point where I am now in my life, I don't really care because we're on the other side of it and it's a fantastic movie and you have to have a point A to point B. But at the time I was like, oh man, like I don't feel the stakes because I know all of this extra information. And I remember hearing that sentiment a lot when the movie came out, but I think when Endgame, seeing how Endgame actually ended up resolving it, I think there were lasting consequences, even for the people that came back. Uh, and, and you know, our Gamora is still dead, yep. and Loki's still gone, and yeah, we're getting the Loki show, but that's actually going to be a different Loki, technically. And Heimdall's still dead, and then even though you know a lot of the people that got snapped came back, Natasha died. Steve, uh, no, Steve's fine. Uh, Tony died. Um, Steve's just old. <laughs> yeah, Steve got old. <laughs> Steve has dentures now. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone even think about Steve's dentures? <laughs> no, I, in I, retrospect, I think it it absolutely works. But at the specifically at the time, I yeah, was like, I, I understand that. I wanted to think that too going in because I was the same way. Like being in a in a normal chat with you guys and other nerdy friends like it obviously came up like there are other movies coming out these people have to come back like no matter what happens but it's still to me is at the time we don't know how they're going to come back and we don't know who isn't going to come back um and i felt even though at the end we knew okay obviously this has to get resolved right they like they can't just kill off all these people in the MCU and not bring them back. It was all about how are they going to do it? And are they going to be able to do it to the, to the degree that saves everybody? And that, and that's what was kind of scary to me was not knowing how it was going to play out. And I think another thing to remember is that these movies are, they, they call them four quadrant movies because it hits like every, every demographic like likes these movies men women children adults never and you got to remember that there are a lot of people out there who are not like us who did not know that there were right. more movies coming out and were probably very confused when they started showing trailers for a new spider-man movie because they're like but he's dead i saw him die <laughs> and then and then think about the kids who watched that who watched it and aren't necessarily plugged in because you know these movies have, have a big audience with kids obviously and that's uh, you know, I, I'm sure there are some children who were traumatized for a good year until. Uh... I've asked you guys this before, but I'm going to do it again for the sake of the podcast. Uh, have you guys seen that video with um, Chadwick Boseman where yeah. they're <laughs> asking him a black? He's he's like on the he's like doing red carpet for some other movie. I think it's um he's doing it for the. Was it the Bridges one? What is it called? Might have, been, might have been 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges. Um, and they're like asking him asking him stuff about the movie. And then they find out like, all right, well, what about Black Panther? What's happening with Avengers? And he's like, I'm dead. And they're like, no, but seriously, <laughs> what's happening? And he's like, no, I'm dead. Like, I'm dead. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm dead. And it is a very uncomfortable but also hilarious video. Yeah. Another he's, thing, he's like laughing a little bit. It's fun. <laughs> I want to say this before I forget it. Another thing that you have to consider is remember the scene um, in the trailer for Infinity War that some percentage of people on the internet were upset about where Hulk was running and then it wasn't Hulk in the real film. It was Bruce in the suit. I mean you can make an argument that they lied about that scene of the trailer. What, what would stop them from creating false publicity about f future movies? I guess you could follow that train of thought. Absolutely. 
I mean, at a certain point, you would stop your false publicity because you sure. wouldn't want people to get hyped for it. But before the movie comes out, it might be a tactic to be like, hey, Iron Man 4 comes out. And like, are you, you know, a part of the uh, the Sonic school of conspiracy theory? What does that mean? Oh, the, the does it one have to where do they, with the hedgehog or cheese sticks? The hedgehog? Go on. Where they intentionally screwed up the Sonic thing so they could get good publicity to make it. Oh, man. I love a good conspiracy, but I'm on the <laughs> I'm on the fence about that one. I'm I, on the I fence don't, about it. I don't believe that one just because it costs them money to uh, move the date, and also there is already merchandise that is being sold because they make right. the merchandise so far ahead that there is crappy Sonic design merchandise. Like all the toys look like that Sonic, yeah. and yeah, I don't think this wow. was a, yeah that would be an expensive intentional trick. But yeah. was New Coke intentionally to uh, drum up excitement about original coke and are birds real that i will discuss with you <laughs> i i actually heard a conspiracy about new coke that the reason they released new coke was that when, that that way they could actually change the formula of original coke without people noticing oh that's interesting by taking it off the market Ooh. and switching it from sugar to high fructose corn syrup and when they brought it that's back, true. it tasted that's true. Coke, when, new, when old Coke came back, it had switched to high fructose corn syrup. And I don't know, I don't know yeah, how and... much you guys are into this stuff, but like Pepsi was starting to overtake Coke, and then they went to new Coke, and then everyone was outraged, and they went back to old Coke, and it has not been close since. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, and this is, this is interesting. We're going to talk about soda now. I don't even drink soda. We're going to talk about it. Uh, uh, the Pepsi Challenge. Yes. The reason Pepsi always wins the Pepsi Challenge is that. Pepsi is sweeter, so mm-hmm. people like Pepsi more on their first Correct. sip, but they don't like to drink a whole Pepsi. Like in general, I know there are some people out there who like Pepsi. Me. Pepsi is okay for them, yeah. Um, but but there are a lot of people. They'll find out that they like a couple sips of Pepsi, but they won't want to drink a whole thing. But Coca Cola, they can drink a whole like can of it. And yeah, that's why the Pepsi. And so the Pepsi challenge was what was killing Coke, and it's why it was getting close. Um, and so uh-huh. there's a conspiracy theory that I think I subscribe to that new Coke was specifically, well, it, it was to attack the Pepsi challenge, but it wasn't about new Coke being the new Coke. It was about making people miss what, uh, they had. Oh, you don't like Coke anymore? Well, fine. You don't get Coke anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Whatever well... knows what they miss until it's gone. Did you guys know that if you were to go all the way to Antarctica, there would be the world police waiting there to prevent you from seeing over the edge of the earth? Did you know about that? I have a friend who, uh, he's one of those guys, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he does work for them. (laughs) You're friends with Kyrie Irving? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John, who is stuck in America because he's not allowed to fly. What is this podcast about? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay, we've gotten wildly off track. So at this point in the movie, the Avengers still on Earth arrive in Wakanda on the Quinjet. Rogers consults with T'Challa about the coming invasion looking for the Mind Stone. Wonderful scene with um, Bruce and um, Rhodey where he's like, he's a king, should I bow? (laughs) Yeah, he's a king. Uh, T'Challa offers the Wakandan army and a suited up Bucky shows up to reunite with Steve. Girl genius Shuri analyzes... Why'd you write girl Because she is. <laughs> she's a girl, <laughs> and she's a genius. She's a woman. What are you, she's she's a, just too young. Oh, well, girl genius. Uh, golly. They're it so would be uncommon. boy genius if she was a woman. <laughs> she's a child. 
uh, analyzes how to separate the Mind Stone from Vision, saying it will take a long time. At that moment, and I'm sorry, but Bailey is giving me such a dirty look right now, and I need to trans—I need to like transfer it to Robbie, and it's like coming at me. But it's Wait, meant does for Bailey you. think she's a boy? Not, oh my this is not, We are not. No, no, this is not happening. All right, I vote. Uh, Robbie's audio is one of the two you, act- you you randomly cut. That's not random. You voted for it. No, 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 no. It's random. Okay, so at that moment, Thanos' army and the Black Order arrive outside Wakanda, held off by the Capitol's protective force field. Oh, my goodness. Let me read some of the sentences that are written in here, because they are insane. Thanos acquires the Soul Stone by killing Gamora, while the Red Skull is somehow turned into... Uh, what is he, the Watcher? What is he? Techni- what is his title? No, he's not the Watcher. He's not the Watcher. Um, he... I- does he have a name? He I think he's just like the yeah, guardian, the guardian of, of the, the stone. stone. I didn't know he Iron had a Man, title, yeah. Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are on Titan. The Secret Avengers are with Black Panther and the Wakandan army protecting Vision while Shuri does surgery on Vision's head and the mind to try to like get the mind stone, protect it from the Black Order. Thor, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot are on a dead star with a giant dwarf trying to make a, a hammer axe. This movie was successful. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely... In, this movie is insane. Like, if you were going to read this to, my, to any one of us 10 years ago and you listed off all these things, I would have told you you were crazy. This movie would never get made and we would never have it. Think about... Way back, way back when the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were coming out, when superhero movies had to have a sense of realism to be successful, right? That's At least that was the perception. The perception was these movies need to be realistic or else people aren't going to go see them. Only the hyper nerds would go see the secret Avengers of the Black Panther and the Wakandan army <laughs> fighting off the Black Order. But little did they know... There's a little super nerd inside all of us, and Aww. <laughs> it's all a good story. You you uh, get good actors and good storytellers, uh, and make compelling characters. Make characters that people want to see. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. It it is weird. Like I, uh, and I I I'm happy we got to where we're in a why not both. I I hope we're in a why not both society where. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. What's wrong was the idea that that's what a superhero movie has to be, not that those movies yeah. were made in the first place. Um, but no, I mean, and you remember back, one of the classic problems with superhero films was the sequels would always get weighed down by, it's like, okay, this time we need two villains. And like, somehow we were unable to handle having multiple characters, you know, even the bad guys, multiple characters in a movie. And then we've got everything you just said in this movie. And, I mean, the Black Order, we just introduced the Black Order and no one questions it. They don't need their backstory. They don't weigh down the film. We've got all these heroes. And I I don't know how we got to a point where we're able to balance this. And I think a lot of it is um, something I listened to the Russo brothers talk about once is they originally had more more of a setup for what everyone was doing in their life. They originally had more backstory for Thanos and all that stuff. And they realized that all this stuff was... um, in their words, gratuitous. You don't need all this. It, it just bogs down the film. And I think there's also what it was like as we introduced Spider-Man to the MCU, when it's like, listen, 
people get Spider-Man. We don't need a backstory. Let's just, this is Spider-Man. And I think that's, we have gotten to a point, and I don't know why it took us so long to embrace this, where we feel like a film doesn't need every little thing to be explained. If something is able to just be inferred by the audience, you can just leave it out of there and move on to what's important in the film. And I, I don't know why it took us so long to get there, but I think um, Hollywood and viewers embracing that is a lot of what makes this movie successful. But it was done very expertly by um, by Marvel. I would even go a step further as to say, not only is it easily inferred, a lot of the, you almost put it into the hands of audience to go and do a little bit of yes. homework, right? Like, and that is something people enjoy yep. to do, right? Like, who is Ebony Ma and why should I care about him? And then suddenly I'm down this rabbit mm -hmm. hole and then suddenly I'm ordering the Infinity Gauntlet comic and then suddenly I'm reading a bunch of comics. Mm -hmm. Like, it is... It's it's almost inviting right. to kind of join the, the the greater universe. As long as it's not and there, done. And there's a Rowling good way style. and a bad. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I'm gonna say there's a good way and there's a bad way to do it. Um, my example is actually going to be a different um, two initials and a last name starting with a J. I was going to go with J.J. Abrams. Oh. Um, yeah, with like Rise of Skywalker, where you don't know why anything happened unless you read the Star Wars official Twitter account later that says, hey, did you know that the Sith cultists were building a, a fleet on Exegol? No. No, I didn't. Would have been nice to have heard about that <laughs> did you in know, the film. Although, did you know all this stuff about Palpatine? No, you wouldn't have, unless you were in that one specific spot in Fortnite that one. Right. Although yeah. I will say in J.J. Abrams' defense, Fair point. I think he wanted that stuff to be in films uh and was maybe overridden by his um studio who shall remain nameless yeah no i think and it, it's hilarious to me that this is the same studio <laughs> who shall remain <laughs> that uh right yeah that's yeah. Stu, Stu studio <laughs> that they that they have faith in avengers but not not in star wars like i would have seen a three-hour episode nine interjection i know you wouldn't have but no, interjection is shitty Star Wars fans are much worse than shitty Marvel fans. I as a so shitty Star I can Wars see fan, why I they would yeah. I can see why they might be a little more open to Marvel taking risks in Star Wars. Well, they've yeah. had significantly more years to mature in their shittiness. Give it another, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years, maybe the Marvel fans will be just as oh, shitty. Crap. Right. I mean, fair enough. I there can't wait to a, be one of them. <laughs> there is a certain group out there uh, of comics people who I will not name said group, but there there are certainly shitty comic book fans, yeah. and and surely they will overlap with the movie fans as well. So uh, we won't get. I don't want to invoke the wrath of anyone out there, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. But but yes, no, I think the way that getting back to to the original point here that. Yeah, they, they do a good job of knowing what needs to be explained and what doesn't need to be explained so that you're not leaving the movie going, I don't understand why this thing happened, uh, which some other movies have not. And, and they trust their audience to, to figure things out, to be able to read subtext. Mm -hmm. uh, they trust their audience to have seen the other movies, which is something that movie studios in general have been afraid yes. of, I think. And, and I do wonder if uh, some of the can be owed to people are real like with uh 
with peak TV, as they call it, how like a lot of TV shows now are very serialized in ways that they weren't necessarily in the past. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of older shows and I go, I say older shows, like even, even go back to the nineties, early two thousands, a lot of shows, like there was some light serialization where it's like, okay, I watched this episode and clearly something happened in a past episode is affecting it. Like, like friends, you know, that certainly had a plot that went, went through, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of sitcoms didn't, or, or you could still kind of watch any episode in syndication and know what's going on. Uh, but like, let's say a show like uh, Breaking Bad, you know, that's one of the ones people always talk about with, with peak TV. If you watched a random episode from the third season of that without having watched everything before, you'd be a little lost. Or lost. Uh, yes. That's another good example. That's actually why I quit wow. Lost. I, what a transition. When I was watching Lost faithfully, it was at a time that catching up on shows wasn't as easy as it is now. And I remember right. season three of Lost, I missed a couple episodes. And it's like, well, I'm never watching Lost again. That's, that's just literally yeah. what I did. It's... This reminds me of what we talked about in the last episode, trying to find somebody who watched Infinity War with <laughs> right. no previous context right. yes. to the MCU. Yes. And no one responded to my tweet uh, about that. No, I, I, I mean, maybe the number's so low. I, I know the number is more than zero. Yes. It has to be more right. than zero. Right. Um, but Also, this is funny. A great example of what you're bringing up, Chris, is um, uh, The Venture Brothers, which I will again tell you, all of you need to watch. Literally all three of you would love The Venture Brothers. Um, uh-huh. But what's funny about The Venture Brothers, because it's hand-drawn, because they put a bunch of time and effort into it, seasons come out, it's like 13 episodes every two or three years. And so the Venture Brothers right. started when television was not serialized and the episodes are not serialized. And then by like season four, you had to watch every episode in order or you were going to be hopelessly lost. And so it's funny watching uh-huh. an active show transition to kind of catch up with what television was. It's interesting. Yes. Everyone watched the Venture Brothers. Like both eras. <laughs> Is that Mario Venture and Venture Venture? Yes. yes. No, it'd be Venture Venture and Luigi Venture. I messed it up. The joke's yeah. gone. <laughs> venture Venture. Uh, so Wanda's left behind to protect Vision, ready to destroy the Mind Stone as soon as possible, while Black Widow, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Falcon, and War Machine suit up, and the Black Panther gives the order to ready defenses. Such a cool scene, man. And get that man a shield. Um, get this man a shield. Oh, man. Oh. That was like such a great moment in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, and it was still really cool in the movie. <laughs> it was still really cool in the movie, and they used and it was a cool. It was a cool shield, like the yeah. actual oh, yeah. physical shield was really neat. How it we was also like, yeah, like a blade in some sense, but you can. Yeah. It was very Wakandan, and it was cool yeah. that he was using it. Yeah. Um, Thor and Rocket restart the Star of Nidavellir. Um, What's the funny thing in the scene? Oh, the... Um, it, that'll we're, kill you. That'll kill die. Only if, only if I me. die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, you'll die. Only if it kills me. Yeah. That's, that's what that... I, I can never remember if it's that or the that's other way around. That's what killing yeah. you means. <laughs> and he just looks so confused. He's like... So, it's funny. Like <laughs> This is really funny to something... Um, I think Eduardo has been talking about on these episodes... Um, when I was listening to the commentary, they were saying, and in this moment, you get a brief glimpse of Ragnarok Thor. <laughs> uh, like they're even and... acknowledging that they're not writing him the same as Ragnarok, but they are in this scene. 
<laughs> and what I think it's funny is that it's someone who knows Thor from before Ragnarok getting the view of Ragnarok Thor and going and just being so confused. Yes. Yeah, that's by also it. true. <laughs> and, and I think that's really funny. Um so at this point we've got Thor, Rocket, and Groot off in one area. We've got Star Lord, we've got uh, Spider Man, we've got Tony, we've got the Secret Avengers, we've got Wakanda. We've got a lot of really interesting puzzle pieces all together, and it doesn't. It feels like it wouldn't fit at some points, but it fits really, really, really well. And Chris, the, some of the more unusual pairings in this movie uh, tend to be some of its most successful, right? Yes. No. I, I, I love a crossover. Uh, crossovers are like some of my favorite things in fiction. I don't know why. I just think it's always fun when you get things that don't normally work characters that don't normally work together and put them together. I think that's why I love super smash brothers. Uh, that's why I love like Marvel versus Capcom. Just like the whole idea of it. We should play it sometime. Eduardo. You can kick Absolutely. My butt yeah. <laughs> we'll trade off. We'll trade off. You, you can kick my button, uh, Marvel versus Capcom and I'll kick your button smash brothers and we'll be even both of the, <laughs> both of the crossover games that you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I love, uh, but that's, it's the thing that I love about the comics too. And I think I've talked about it before. Uh, there have been some really great comic crossovers where the success comes from putting these characters who, who w- you would not think would fit together and putting them together and, and seeing what happens, like pairing up Moon Knight and Gamora and Rocket or, or whatever uh, in the comics and things like that. But uh, I think that Thor, especially with the makeover that he got in Ragnarok, uh, he is a natural fit to put with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and not just because of the humor, uh, but I think there's a great moment early on when they first meet, uh, where he is empathizing with Gamora about their complicated family history. (laughs) You know, he doesn't like, it looks like he's going to be angry, uh, because, oh, you're Thanos' daughter, but no, it's just, yeah, no, I know exactly how you feel. (laughs) And and it it is a really... Well, I had to kill my dad after he killed my mom. So, you know, and I did that with both my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's fun. And then pairing off Thor and, and Rocket and Groot and the reveal that, oh, yes, uh, Thor speaks Groot because he took it as an elective on, on Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just great. Uh, the awesome facial hair bros, uh, a.k.a. Tony Stark and Stephen Strange. Uh, that yes. is from the comics. That's my favorite pairing. <laughs> um, in this. Yeah. I, you know, we, we, we don't get much of them, but what we do get is really mm-hmm. great. And it's probably because it's the first time either one of them has really had a rival to being the smartest man in the room. Right. I'll put with the caveat who cares about being a rival. Cause I, I would obviously put, I would put Bruce Banner on par with, uh, with Tony Stark right. in matter of intellect. Uh, but Bruce doesn't care about that. Doctor Strange right. does. <laughs> They're both. Er- We've talked about how similar right. those characters are, up to and including their their hero's journey. Uh, so putting them together is is just and watching right. them butt heads, uh, but also begrudgingly work together because, like, hey, we are on the same side. And they here. also have an important uh, difference that kind of drives their. Um interaction which is they're similar people they're of similar intelligence um but one one is based in technology and one is based in uh, metaphysics and also 
um, one insists on being the adult in the room and one insists that there be no adult in the room. And so (laughs) them being similar, but different in two very important ways, I think drives so much of that um, interaction between them. And I'm with you. Like I'm not a huge Tony Stark fan, but the Tony Stark and Dr. Strange dynamic in this is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I should say that it's a shame they never met Shuri. So we could, you know, watch them both be, uh, outclassed intellectually. Well, we had her. Do put, you mean uh, Sherry, girl genius? She Sherry, <laughs> she is a genius. Yeah, I, I did love the scene with her and Bruce. Where he's like, "I'm sure you tried your best." Uh, and uh, another another scene that, and I know we'll talk about this probably in more detail when this act when we actually get to this point. But uh, when Okoye, Wanda, and Black Widow team up and fight Proxima Midnight mm-hmm. in Wakanda, that is a great scene. Like, why were you keeping her up there this whole time? <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I, I've just, like, wrote down, like, all my favorite, like, you know, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. I, mean, <laughs> I could talk. There, I, I read, like, someone wrote an actual essay about that scene and how that is the perfect distillation of Captain America's character. And I 100% agree with it. Uh He's, you know, he is a guy from the 1940s who went through everything that he's gone through in, in Captain America and then in these Avengers movies. And when he meets, when his when his friend, the Norse god, introduces him to a talking tree, says, this is my friend tree. <laughs> and, and the tree says, I am Groot. He's not confused by this. He just says, well, he's introducing himself. I better introduce myself too. I am Steve Rogers. And it is such an <laughs> earnest moment. Like it is, it is perfect. And that's why it's so funny. I mean, it's funny because it is just a funny thing, but it, it is also funny because that is exactly what you expect Steve Rogers to do in that moment. Uh, everything we know about that character, like that is my favorite Captain America moment in this movie. Granted, he's not, he doesn't get super a lot to do in this one because they saved a lot of his stuff for Endgame, but mm-hmm. that is like a perfect moment. Uh, Rocket Raccoon saying to Bucky, how much for the arm? Uh, again, that is... <laughs> well, and also, that... and that moment comes right after they just organically work together in basically like a, a Marvel versus Capcom style team-up attack. Yeah. <laughs> like they haven't, up Rocket. Met, they haven't met at all, but okay, this raccoon has a gun. I'm going to pick him up and we're going to circle strafe everybody. And yeah, that's... and, <laughs> and it first circle straight, but whatever. And everyone was. I mean, I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, and the, that running gag about Rocket wanting to steal people's prosthetic <laughs> limbs. People were like, oh, it's going to be so funny when he meets Bucky. And you know what? It was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like I'm so glad we got. It was just a moment, but I'm so glad we got that. And Bucky just like rolling his eyes at him. Oh, I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> you know, and and. I would have loved even more of these character moments, but this movie is really relentless in its pacing, and so much of it had to mm-hmm. had to be devoted to Thanos's journey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Endgame does give us some breathing room, so we get to enjoy some more moments like this. Unfortunately, half the cast is dead uh, <laughs> when we get to Endgame, so That's maybe not as much as I would have liked. Right. But I just go back to what I say after watching Avengers and all of that is that I would love to see, you know, a movie just about them doing non-superhero things and hanging out together and i think it would be a lot of fun but but yeah no put you know finally getting the weirdness of the guardians of the galaxy with the with dr strange with with iron man with peter parker all all, it's just it was everything that i had hoped it would be and i love it 
Yeah, I agree with all that. And harkening back to something Eduardo said a minute ago, the moment of um, War Machine and Banner as they step off the uh, ship, you know, should I bow? He's like, is it King? What are you doing? Like, let, yeah. that's another... We told like, you yeah, that, okay, yeah. That's, that's a couple <laughs> seconds, but that's another interaction between characters we don't necessarily see together um and we got a this is how they work when we throw them together and i'm with you that's one of my the most interesting things to me in um fiction and and it's a it's a mechanic i like like as we've said i'm not a big jrpg fan but what i do like in rpgs is when you have to pick a couple people from your party and send them off together somewhere and like that that's an element i really like and i'm i'm happy they embraced it in this movie because uh, it's part of what fleshes it out. It's part of what makes what Eduardo was talking about, all that crossover. What makes it work is that they made sure it's okay. You know, now that Steve and Tony are in a scene together, they're going to have some interaction. So it's not just, it's not just characters each existing on their own plot point in the same movie. It's characters existing together, but done very smart and done very organically. Um, and I, I, I'm completely with you. That's one of the strongest parts of this film. Yeah. It's insane what they were able to do. And in, in the amount of time that they had, and this is a long movie, but it doesn't, this movie doesn't feel as long as it actually is because like Chris said, the pacing is relentless. You are mm-hmm. blaring through this movie a mile a minute and there's just something happening at every turn and it's so mm-hmm. entertaining that by the time the movie's done, you're almost surprised at how long it was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's it's absolutely the better for it. Now yes. at this point, the aperture for the forge fails, and Thor holds it open against the power of a sun, so the metal for Stormbreaker can melt. When the hammer with the hammer forged, and Thor dying on the floor, oh, somebody say the name. Uh, uh, Etri. claims the axe can save the god, but it needs a handle. <laughs> Root, entirely aloof at this point in the film, extends his arm into a branch and breaks it out to become Stormbreaker's handle. Uh, a dying Thor's fingers twitch and Stormbreaker lifts into the air. Sparkles. <laughs> Sparkles. Does anyone uh, else feel ways knowing that like every movie Groot is in, he does some sort of self-sacrifice to save everybody in some way? Let me yeah. tell you, he's I such a Groot. giving tree is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was so not a setup, it just worked snapped. out. No, oh no, no. That was not that was not intentional. It just happened. I promise. I love it though. I love it so much. I fell right into that. <laughs> sincerely <laughs> though, I mean it. <laughs> I sincerely mean it. It was like a bullet train coming straight for me and I couldn't see it. <laughs> I do think that's I'm a cool really group good. moment though. Like <laughs> it, it, every character gets their own little arc in this movie. Um, except uh-huh. for maybe a handful of characters that we're going to see a second movie. Um, but Groot's little arc is he's an aloof teenager and then realizes, okay, it's time to grow up and be a big boy. And yeah. his arm gets to be a part of um, Stormbreaker, which also makes sense because we've already kind of established that Groot is in some way connected to the Norse mythology of this film. Like maybe he's directly from the, the um, what is it, the, the world tree or um but so it makes sense for his wood to be able to be the handle for stormbreaker like this is all stuff that works out really well and it doesn't give Groot much in the film but it still gives him a nice little arc to be satisfied with i'm glad that you were the one making that point robbie because none of us would have lived through that none of us (laughs) you're you're so much better than us yeah it is good that his wood satisfied that (laughs) 
This is the worst. Oh, man. I want to never talk about Groot again. <laughs> Whoa. Language. <laughs> you got some acorns on you, kid. Uh, <laughs> such a good line. I said that last episode, I know, and but... I am not sorry for saying it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So, the Wakandan army and the Avengers with Banner and the Hulkbuster armor form ranks as Thanos' army made up of vicious four-armed Outrider aliens assault the Wakandan force field. The Outriders kill themselves against the force field. Are the rest of their arms vicious too? Or just their forearms? <laughs> their... All four of them. <laughs> All four, All of, four their of their arms. forearms. <laughs> uh, so the Outriders kill themselves against the force field to get a small number through, but are held up by Falcon and War Machine. To keep the Outriders from pulling the same trick on the undefended side of the city, T'Challa orders of the section of the shield to be opened in front of them to keep Thanos' army free. We get a wonderful character moment between um, T'Challa and M'Baku. Uh, oh, that was nice. Yeah. Um, and one of the things the commentary confirmed is, and so we talked about, did they have any awareness of what Black Panther was going to be when they were committing so much of this film, Black Panther? And they actually said, no, they had no idea. They just knew that this is where the battle needed to be. This is where the army could be formed. Um, but one of the things was when um, they were trying to pump people up for the scene, um, the uh the mountain tribe characters were doing their chant from the from um black panther which was filming at the same time and they came over from one set to the other and uh the russo brothers had not heard that yet and they thought they had made it up on site they didn't realize it was from the film and so they said no do that do that in in the movie like save this for for the camera and not realizing that they were creating synergy yeah it's so good yeah oh man and I, I, I love that. I wish that Mbaku had gotten more. And actually, yeah. I just read an interview with uh, with Winston Duke uh, like last week, uh, where he was saying that yeah, he had actually filmed a lot more for Endgame that ended up not making the cut. That's sad. Which is a Aww. bummer. Like he, he actually had some moments there in the final battle. He said he understood why, and he just has faith that uh, that Mbaku's going to get a good story in Black Panther too. I think he will. Oh, I yes, think he yeah. will. I think that he was—he's a character that people like really kind of took to. Um, another great Wakandan moment in this scene, uh, just real quick, is when when T'Challa goes to speak to Proxima Midnight, and when he says, "You're in Wakanda now," Thanos will have nothing but dust and blood. Like, oh, that's like a bo- like just mm-hmm. one of those badass superhero boasts uh, that just feels all the more badass because now we know what Wakanda is about. After having seen Black Panther, and I—I I don't know about you, I got—I got so excited when, when they finally decide to let him win and charge when yes. when T'Challa shouts out Wakanda forever because mm-hmm. that had become like a thing, like yes. a thing in real life. Like people, <laughs> I remember watching. Was it NBC or Fox or whoever did the live Jesus Christ Superstar last year, like at Easter or something? And the guy who played Judas, when he came out for his bows, he did the Wakanda Forever salute. <laughs> you know? But uh, I was wondering where this was going. Yes, yeah, it, it went to Wakanda Forever. Uh, I'm also of Black happy, Panther, by the way. Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Yeah. I'm also happy since we keep Fresh talking about how great time. Okoye is in this movie. I'm happy they spent a couple seconds in this film on Okoye's look of absolute disgust at Banner for tripping as he's running into battle. 
I don't know if <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. As he's learning how to use yes. the, the Iron Man suit. That's not it's important almost, to the film, but it's hilarious. It's uh-huh. almost like a, like a, are you serious? We're going right. to die. Yes, yeah. yes absolutely. <laughs> She's like, her, these are the adventures I've heard so much about. Her whole thing throughout this whole battle is, I'm sick of putting up with this shit. It's... Uh-huh. Uh, so they scream Wakanda forever and the Wakandan right. army charges into battle with Black Panther and Captain America outpacing everyone and I watching the first too. blows. <laughs> it is so cool. Just watching the both of them just like well, completely and, leave the pack. You know, I would say this, and now that we've had the, the retrospect of it, I think this is, and I'm going to, uh, we've already akin that Tony Stark's, um, pred- not predecessor, but his, his, um, his heir, is Spider-Man, right? That's taking Mm -hmm. up that mantle. I would say this is almost a passing of the torch from Captain America to T'Challa of being this, this, this section of the MCU trifecta, right? Like this is going to be the moral center of the right. Exactly. Um, And I think this is a, this is like a a good scene between the two of them because they're definitely, there's a lot of similarities between these characters, right? And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of similarities in the way that they would react in certain situations. Not, not in every situation, but a lot of that, like you said, they, they they both have a strong moral, moral sense. And I think it it is, uh, I think you could, you could probably make an argument that there's some sort of passing of the torch happening there. Maybe I'm just reaching, but I think it's cool. I could see conceivably, depending on how, how nicely Sony ends up playing with Marvel in the future, kind of the, I mean, Thor is still going to be around. Right. Uh, but you split Iron Man in two, you split Tony Stark in two, and you get Peter Parker and Carol Danvers, in my opinion. Because uh, I think Carol has kind of that cockiness to her, and she can back it up because she's super, super powerful. And Peter Parker is like a more earnest version of the tech genius Tony Stark. Right. Uh, so he, so he's he's almost like a cross between Tony and Steve in that sense. Yeah. Which is why he kind of. Which is why going back to Civil War, he's on Team Iron Man, but you could tell that philosophically he's more Team Cap. Which is how it is in the comics, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly how. And then eventually he's like, "This is wrong. I need mm-hmm. to side with Cap." Yeah. Now Another that thing I like about I this this scene, and um, and we've already spent several episodes uh, in Captain America movies talking about this, but you can just see again another characterization of how both Steve and T'Challa are like the man, the the men of the people. Like they're out there first, mm. and they're out there fast, and they don't care. Yep. If they if they're gonna fall in battle, they're gonna be the first ones out there defending the things that they care about, and that's yeah. just another great display of their character is watching them run out there. Something I will admit to when I watched this film is I didn't even catch that. I was I think my focus was on the big army rushing. I was not watching the two guys running out in front, and then mm-hmm. that moment and instantly became like a part of our uh, cultural awareness. Like, I constantly see references now to, you know, Captain America and Black Panther outrunning the armor. Um, I see it a lot on, like, when you see, like, statistics. And one graph is really racing out in front of the other graphs. Um, one bar or one... Um, uh, I got sad because chart. I saw a graph like that today and it was real depressing. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yep. Um, USA world record! <laughs> yes, once we start testing, Woo! we're like Steve and Black Panther. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's... Uh, 
but so and I saw that and I'm like I don't even know what these people are talking about so I so when I went back to watch the movie again um because I saw this in theaters twice I was focusing specifically on that but I think that's very interesting how that shot this movie was just so accepted that the two guys outrunning everyone is considered something you can just shorthand as you talk about stuff yeah man I didn't even think about like like when we talk about big moments from this movie we talk about uh, you know the the everyone turning to dust and all and mm-hmm. all those all the Thanos moments, but yeah, there are so many hero moments too that, and I think we're going to talk about another one real soon uh, that that people reference a lot. Uh, you know, a few, but yeah, there there are definitely a lot of moments that really stuck with people. Like this, this is a movie that just has so many great moments, and, and Endgame as well. Both of them have have like just. Not even just crowd-pleasing moments, because sometimes crowd-pleasing can almost have a negative connotation because it's like, oh, dumbed down to uh, to make everyone happy. And it's like, no, but this it doesn't feel like that, at least not to me. Oh, maybe I'm dumbed down and it makes me happy. I don't know. But but I feel like it earns these crowd-pleasing moments because of the 10 years of buildup that we've had. Yeah, I agree. Because there are unearned crowd-pleasing moments we could talk about Again, but this is not Chris Craps on episode nine, the the podcast. This is Infinity War Part Two. <laughs> uh, so uh, the heroes start to struggle against the overwhelming numbers of the Outriders when suddenly the Bifrost appears on the plains of Wakanda, yes! and Stormbreaker flies across the battlefield, slaughtering the army of Thanos. Bruce Banner, <laughs> you guys are so screwed now. <laughs> and Thor, in full God of Thunder regalia, arrives with Rocket and Groot and begins laying waste to Outriders with his thunder, shouting, Bring me Thanos. And that <laughs> is, it, it like gives me goosebumps to this day when he says, Bring me Thanos. Dude, it is, you just, oh my God, it's so cool. And the perfect use of the Avengers theme. Yes. And, and yes. they were the the russo brothers i was listening to talk about they listened to a crowd reaction from i think it was india to the film um they didn't have the visuals they just had the audio but they said that this moment sounded like a rock concert in theater it's which is what it (laughs) sounded like in my theater too it's mine too Uh um and yeah no it's cool single most cathartic shot in yes modern pop culture cinema i like i i can't I, I feel like i already talked about this a lot in the last episode i don't even remember uh but so it yeah is, i just what do you mean we recorded so these right ago. after oh yeah it's been 84 years <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it god um and it, and it is cathartic um and unless eduardo stops me i'll talk about this now because it so it, it's like it's the end of Thor's uh, hero's journey in this film, and with you know with the hindsight of having watched this film, which I'm hoping everyone has done listening to this, they play on that on purpose. <laughs> like they've they've played this whole movie for this is Thor's hero journey. Thor is going to recover from his mistake, become a better person, go and get the thing to beat the bad guy, and then he's going to beat the bad guy. And then of course you know that's not how it works out. But in this moment they're playing on that catharsis of you knowing, okay, here's the hero's journey is over and Thor's going to win and it feels great. And it's really fun. And you know, it's all going to end in tears. Um, 
but to me and this this kind of mostly just overlaps with stuff that um Kristen Eduardo brought up but it's great to me the way this film gave all those characters their little arcs there was no you know just like Eduardo thought that this movie with all its nonsense couldn't possibly work I was constantly concerned that this movie with all of these characters could not work how are they possibly going to give each of them enough time to mm-hmm. um to balance out how are they each going to give them possibly enough time for this movie to work um and not feel bloated and not feel bogged down or conversely feel like people didn't get enough time um to shine and they pull it off beautifully and it's done with these little character arcs and we kind of talked about them you know Groot's character arc is just a couple screens scenes but Groot has an arc of teenage Groot hasn't hasn't grown up until he realizes oh this literal god of thunder is dying in front of me trying to save the universe better break off my arm to save him um you know it, it's Thor has this hero's journey that all ends in tragedy um Tony has an arc which carries over in the next movie um you know it, it how they handled it was with that we talked about this in the last episode but they wanted each character to have like a uh, a thesis statement of what is driving them through this movie you get that with dr strange um with his uh uh if it comes between the stone and you know saving your lives i will choose the stone without hesitating and then what's also funny what also makes it work is all of that feels very cliche so they gave all these characters these nice tight arcs, but all these arcs feel like, yeah, okay, that's what you get in a film, which is fine. That'd still be cathartic, like you just said. But then they turn so many of them on their ear. For reasons we later understand, Doctor Strange goes against his own thesis statement at the end. Um, uh, Hulk has, Bruce Banner has a nice little um, arc, and that is Banner has to be the hero himself. Hulk is not the hero. Banner gets a hero moment. And he gets that, and we're going to get to his hero moment when he kills the Black Dwarf. But he has to go through without the Hulk and he accomplishes that. We, we, we establish he has his own three act play. We have, you know, the first act Hulk will not come out. And then there's a second act of Banner doesn't have the Hulk. They're fighting. And then there's the third act of Banner succeeds without the Hulk. And that, that's, that's done in probably only a few minutes of screen time. And yet it gives you a nice satisfying Bruce Banner arc. Um, and then like so many things gets turned on its head because then he's effortless against Thanos. Um, and I just think that's so interesting. Another re- way they made it work that's very smart is they understood we've got two movies. They understood, okay, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on Captain America and Black Widow because we will have plenty of time for Captain America and Black Widow in the next film. Um, and in fact, uh, they were saying that one of the early drafts, um, Captain America does not show up in the film until the part where he tackles um, Corvus Glaive when he's attacking, uh, when he's stabbing um vision in the woods that was originally going to be the first time you see captain america in the film and then they realized okay no this film needs captain america so they they worked out basically the same sequence but in the train scene instead and then also kept that scene um but they were very smart they knew that this is a dangerous thing to balance all these all these characters but then found just such an intelligent way to handle all of them A, a lot of it it's all stuff you've all said um, I love that everyone feels true to their own franchise with the way their music matches them, which is also something we've talked about. Like, you know that when there's a needle drop, the Guardians are going to be in the next scene. Um, the, the oh my goodness, the, uh, the I know a guy and then the Wakanda drums come in. Like, mm-hmm. all these characters feel true to their individual films we saw, which is also part of how we survive without them having rich arcs, as we've already seen them have rich arcs in other films. Um, it's just so 
so amazing to me how they um, gave all these characters enough weight to feel like we're satisfied. And then if we didn't, then that's fine. They didn't get dusted. We get to see them in another movie. It's just, it, it remains to me awe-inspiring how well they balanced a massive, massive, massive group of characters that everyone wanted to see. And I don't think many people were dissatisfied with, well, you know, I didn't get to see enough Gamora. <laughs> it's it's stunning to me, still. Yeah, I even, and I've said this before, but Marvel keeps proving any doubts that I have wrong to the point where it's like, okay, I just know that they can do it now. Yeah. Uh, because Avengers shouldn't have worked. Uh, an Avengers sequel uh, like this shouldn't have worked, but it did. Guardians of the Galaxy shouldn't have worked, but it did. Endgame shouldn't have worked, but it did. Civil War. And Civil War is really what gave me faith since it was uh, the same writing team and the same directors. Uh, and obviously they had done Winter Soldier before and Marcus and McFeely had written couple other movies before this as well but uh, in the mcu uh, but seeing how the russos as directors and marcus and mcfeely as screenwriters handled all those different characters in civil war and made it an avengers movie but also made it a movie that is distinctly a captain america movie while also bringing tony stark into it who is kind of an overpowering figure in his own right while giving all these minor characters arcs throughout it, it was like, okay, if they can handle this, then I have faith that they can do Infinity War and Endgame as well. And and they they did. They knocked it out of the park. Both 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 these movies, both both the Avengers, uh, Infinity War. And I don't even know what to call. I feel like collectively we should refer to both movies as Infinity Gauntlet or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. I feel like we need some way to like sh shorten Infinity, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, well, the Infinity Saga is the whole thing, though, is what they call oh, okay. the first three phases. I so, wig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you make an interesting point. I think you could almost make the argument that, and I think it would be a pretty successful argument, that Civil War is almost a proof of concept for what yes. they were going to do with Infinity War, right? right. It was it was Infinity yeah. War, but on a slightly smaller scale. Not even slightly, a, a pretty smaller yeah, scale. Yeah, much smaller, yes. more, more personal and... Right, but it was this sort of test case. Like, what do we do if we have all of these characters and we mm -hmm. need to put them all together? How do we balance all of their screen time and get them all together? And they figured out a way, and so they gave them a little bit more screen time, found a way to, to, to kind of incorporate them all. You'll find that the lot, a lot of the arcs that are happening are very similar. There's a lot of time spent in Civil War with the villain. There's a lot of time building his motivation mm -hmm. alone, not interacting with any of the other characters. And that is the same thing that you see with Thanos. Hmm. Thanos spends a lot of time, you spend a lot of time with Thanos, figure out his motivations, not necessarily always interacting with all of the heroes. Um, yep. and, and I think that's a, a an interesting similarity between the two movies that I hadn't put together until right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, yeah you, could, really you could definitely see that they... They were definitely mirroring this off of it, uh, of Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think they did a better job in this case than they did in Civil War. Which, I, And I don't think Civil War was a bad job, but I would say I left Civil War maybe feeling slightly disappointed about how the characters were balanced. It was still probably done better than any other movie like that I'd ever seen. But it's like then they took their learnings from Civil War and just perfected it this time. And to me, that... that that's just so crazy. And I I was still doubting the MCU at this point. It had lots of great 
they, they've given me lots of great films, but I still thought balancing all these characters perfectly is impossible. And of course, Ultron was still, I still had the taste of Ultron in my mouth as the most recent Avengers movie. And so, tastes like rust. <laughs> I hate you guys. Um, and so I still was very wary about how successful this film was going to be in that balance and they pulled it off. And so I guess it took me too long, but I ended up not doubting the MCU anymore after this, just like Chris. I don't think vibranium rusts. I think you're lying. <laughs> That's a good call. I'm sorry. Half of why that was so funny was because Eduardo and I made the same head motion at the same time <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, so Thanos then arrives on Titan via the Space Stone. He meets Doctor Strange while the Avengers and Guardians hide. Thanos explains Titan is his home planet, which faced extinction due to overpopulation. But Thanos so offered ra- another great meme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanos offered <laughs> random genocide, but was outcast as a madman and his planet collapsed. Thanos calls his mission Mercy and says he will watch the sunrise on a grateful universe once he's done. The heroes attack Thanos, who shows off the variety of powers he has in his gauntlet before Nebula arrives and literally crashes a ship into him. Okay, but tell so me often. the coolest scene is not Thanos reaching into the sky and crushing a moon and, and then bringing, transporting particles of the moon into the atmosphere. And something I only noticed number two. last time I watched was I started focusing on, since you know I've now seen this movie enough, I wanted to focus on what ring power is he using for everything he does. And so he uses two rings, or, or not um, not rings, he's, 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 power. He uses no, two he's stones. The he's the Fandarin. I'm picturing the Mandarin, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, he uses two infinity stones for the moon. He uses power to obliterate the moon, and then he uses space to bring everything down quickly. Um, and then, That's so cool. and like when he, when he gets rid of the fake, when he sees through the fake Dr. Stranges, he uses the soul stone. Like there's a lot of cool stuff in here, but they called out, like, let's show him using these stones in different ways. And it's really, really cool. But you're right. The, the moon, I don't know that it's the coolest part because there's a lot of cool parts, but it's up there. Like the moon shattering is so neat. Gone I think that's cool. Day. I think it's really cool, but I personally, my favorite scene in that whole series of fights is Doctor Strange multiplying himself and then whipping Thanos all at the same time. Then they all get electrocuted and they all disappear and the real one get like, that's like a video game move. And that's, so that sequence, we haven't quite gotten there in the the, the order of operations yet, but that fight between Thanos and um, Doctor Strange is just so neat, like showing off so many Doctor Strange powers. And then there's this cool little moment when Doctor Strange turns the... Um, what is it Thanos throws at him that he turns into butterflies? Um, whatever. Oh. It, it's like shards of glass or rocks or something. Something he throws at Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange turns into butterflies. And there's this moment where Thanos is like impressed. Like, that's neat. And then goes back to dealing with Doctor Strange. Yeah. There are a couple moments like that where Thanos does seem like he's... You know, like, all right, hey, these guys are these guys are tough. Like, you get that a bit with Steve at the end. Yes, uh, definitely getting that scene with with Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm with Peaches. Everything about that Doctor Strange fight, I think, 
think is the coolest part um and the music that they that is yes. playing in the background when dr strange makes all the clones is yeah. really cool and oh, it yeah, takes me right Hearts back Court. to the dr strange soundtrack yep. i mean it's probably actually his theme yeah. but yes i don't think it is but it, I, I, i'm trying to remember i feel like it's not but it is it's it is very much it, i feel like it has it's in that something. style it, there it, is it, sitar involved yeah there's sitar and harpsichord i think so it's like the uh as i called it in the dr strange episode traditional wizard stuff right <laughs> um, yeah. um but yeah and i also like this is really the first time we're seeing dr strange in full command of his yes. powers right. yep and yep. that is really really cool to see and gets me excited for whoever ends up making <laughs> dr strange too yes since it won't be scott derrickson well right i'm really hoping that those sam raimi rumors sam raimi are sounds true. perfect like oh man he wasn't oh, given man. a whirlwind of debris to take him out of the fight this time. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't get a scene with emo Doctor Strange dancing in the streets, I'm not going to be uh, happy about it. <laughs> finger guns everywhere. <laughs> so the problem is when he does finger guns. Right. <laughs> actually come out. <laughs> so the distraction of Nebula allows the heroes to subdue Thanos and Mantis puts him in a trance while Iron Man and Spider-Man try to pull off the gauntlet. Oh, we didn't mention magic with a kick. <laughs> <laughs> magic. Magic. Spider-Man like magic jumping through Doctor Strange's portal portals and just shouting, magic, more magic, magic with a kick. Very, very, very <laughs> Peter Parker moment. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, so at this point, Quill asks Thanos where Gamora is. Mantis reveals that he is in mourning, and Nebula surmises Gamora was killed for the Soul Stone. Quill loses his temper and begins beating Thanos, breaking him out of his trance. All right, everyone. Everyone listening, I want you to hear my words and hear them clearly. Star-Lord did nothing wrong. Star-Lord Truth. did exactly what any of us would have done That's in different. that situation. The whole point is you can't just be overly calculating and rational That's about also this. different. That's completely different from Star-Lord did nothing wrong. No, I, I think, still think... I think... I think he says did nothing wrong and means it more like none of y'all would do him. any better. Oh, I right. agree with that. Yeah. Well, the, the point being, this is all Star Lord's fault. I like disagree. Like, I think it's so. For, one, I think it's an incredibly humanizing moment, and we talk about emotional cores a lot. And Star Lord is one of the emotional cores of this movie. He, the, the way that what he feels for Gamora really shines through in multiple scenes of this movie. You get a lot of moments between the two of them, and it is absolutely heartbreaking when she passes and he never gets the that the, the satis not the satisfaction, but he never gets the chance to say goodbye to her. Right, the last thing he sees is he almost you know puts a bullet in her head, and he's not even able to do that, and then she disappears from his life. For what he thinks is forever. And essentially is. Right. Because the Gamora <laughs> yeah. that he knew is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and well, I and, and if you want to put some blame on real quick. You know what? It's your point. You go ahead. I'll come afterwards. You know, it's. I, I hear the sentiment a lot. Like, it's really easy to just immediately point the finger at Star-Lord. Because I think they kind of want you to a little bit. Like, they kind of be like, all right, Star-Lord kind of messed this up. But then you think about it and you go, you know what? If I was in that situation, that was somebody that I loved, mm-hmm. I would have done the exact same thing. And that is just because Star-Lord is human. And it's the human thing to do. It humanizes him. 
you know? Well, and that, that's literally what the Russo brothers say. Like, they, they were giving Star-Lord a human moment on purpose. Well, and I, I think it works. I I actually agree with everything you said, except he did nothing wrong. I think it's a, it is a perfectly humanizing moment. It's probably how I would have reacted as well. It's still his fault, just for understandable reasons. See... Robbie, when mm. you're speaking the English language, sometimes you say certain things, and what you really mean is another <laughs> thing. You know, uh, it, you can take that however you want, but when I say he did nothing wrong, I don't mean he did nothing wrong. I mean his actions, uh, there's reason behind them. Uh, a sensible person would probably do the same thing. And I don't think we should. Anybody should hold ill will towards Star Lord for his actions. Hmm. And here's my point, coming in hot, that I'm going to add to this. You want to blame Star Lord when they had a solid 20 seconds to pull the glove off of a barely conscious man, like demigod, whatever, barely conscious dude holding onto a glove when you've got one of those guys who has two large knives at his disposal. Another one can create nanotech weapons with his thoughts. They easily could have cut that mother forker's arm off and removed the glove that way. But everyone wants to blame Star-Lord. Remember when Doctor Strange used his portal to cut... Yes! Uh, yes. Ebony Ma, or not Ebony Ma, the other guy. Well, there's so many ways they could have removed that glove, and you blame Star-Lord because of a regular human man okay he's also half god punched him in the <laughs> face not anymore, not. after okay okay perfect yeah. then he's just a regular human man punching a god in the face and they couldn't take the glove off in the amount of time like yeah. come on well in another defense i've seen that actually makes sense is if they got the the uh, gauntlet off there's also no guarantee thanos wouldn't still just wipe the floor with them without the gauntlet being thanos and then just get yeah. the gauntlet back I mean, especially uh, he, one of them would try and use without it. using the gauntlet. Right. So, um, I think that's all possible. I also think the I mostly took the uh, Star Lords at fault stuff as a joke when it came out because, like, I don't think the, Thanos didn't actually snap any of us, so I don't think any of us are actually mad at any of the characters. Mm. Um, but it, 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 so I thought it was funny making fun of Star Lord. Um, I, I do think you're right though that it's a human moment. I think it's a good moment. I think the movie is better for it. Um, I think it is funny to say, well, if he just kept his emotions in control, thing, you know, everything would be okay, even though I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, and that's just because the movie has painted that picture for you, right? right. But there are lots of moments where we could say if they would have just done A, mm-hmm. this movie would have been completely, they would have had not had this problem. If, you know, Doctor Strange would have just used the time stone, gone back in time to when he could have gotten the other stones, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, you could go down that rabbit hole, but it doesn't make any sense to go down that rabbit hole because it's not, you're not, you're not sitting here. Right. You're not enjoying the movie at that point. Yeah. And, and another thing is that I, I do think that there are some people and I know Robbie can, can agree with me on this, who are calling it a flaw of the movie that, well, Starler did that. And, and that, yeah, and Robbie's making the face because I think he might know where I'm going. Like people who say and I'm able to blow up the Death Star, that's a plot hole. Ah! <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, pe- people who don't know what a plot hole actually is. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and there are there are people who are like calling it a flaw of the movie that Starlord didn't. First of all, 
you would have done it too, as we've established. Second of all, even if you wouldn't have, just because a character does something that you would not have done in that situation does not mean that what that character did was wrong and that that is a flaw of the film. Uh, and I think it gets back to the, the cinema sins kind of state of mind where it's like a movie is something you can keep score on of how people of like what's right and what's right. wrong with the movie. And, and you can't look at, at a story that way. Uh, Cause I mean, you, part of a movie, like, like you watch a horror movie and you know, the, the characters are always doing things that you're like, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to get killed. And, but that doesn't make it a bad movie. It's it's what that movie is supposed to be. It's what that story is supposed to be. Just because you would react differently in it, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Uh, again, uh, not every character has to be like a logical robot. Uh, your yeah, emotions can be. overtake you. And I think that is what people relate to because I think we've all had moments in our lives where uh, we've made some kind of mistake because our emotions got the better of us. You know, like that's what it is to be human. Right. And I'm right. sure I, he thought uh, he's an open target right now. Like it's, he does this without saying it. So I'm inferring, but I think they want us to in this movie. Uh -huh. I think in star Lord's mindset, I can get some cheap shots in because you know, fuck Thanos and he's incapacitated right now. And it backfired on him. Well, you know, in, yeah. in my line of work, I talk to a lot of hysterical people, a lot of people who, who are really upset, who, who potentially are going through trauma, and you would be surprised what people do and say when they're experiencing some sort of, you know, complex, you know, lots of grief or something is a highly stressful situation where they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. You would be surprised. We can all sit here and say, oh, I know I, exactly what I would do in that situation. But until you're put in that kind of situation, you mm -hmm. don't actually know how you would react or what you would do. Oh, right? Not at all. And so I, we could all probably sit here easily and say, well, if we were starting, we're, we're taking this really far. But we could all probably say, we're, well, we it's, could easily, you know, take it needs it really to be far. taken far, though. Because, <laughs> because I've met so many people that mm -hmm. make that like, a staple of their like criticisms of this movie to say like star lord ruined it and it's like i don't think you're being sarcastic i think you mean what you're saying and yeah. i think you need to check yourself well i think everybody in this group can agree that we tend to really not like specific opinions that are brought on by I think this one thing and this is as much as I thought have as I've put into it and then I've moved on from it and I will say this phrase without actually like if you just right. put a little bit into thought into what you just said you would change what you just said but because right. you are right. not thinking about what you just said you continue to say it right mm -hmm. and this is one of those things like you did not like saying when somebody talks about the coronavirus and you say, well, this many people died from the flu, if you just thought about that statement <laughs> for more oh. than five minutes, you would oh, understand why mm -hmm. that is the very, very silly to, to, to bring up. If you just don't thought about it, this horse. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. if you thought, and, and that's the sort of the, 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 the parallel that I'm seeing here is that we tend to, all of us kind of tend to think in a similar, similar manner, especially people like this, but just think about it. Just think about it for more than five seconds, and you'll you'll come to understand what we're saying here, that Star-Lord did nothing wrong. Not literally wrong. <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of pine cones out there. Bunch of pine cones. Yeah, if, if you... <laughs> Yeah, if you want to phrase it in a way that makes uh, Robbie happy, that could be, Star-Lord did something wrong, but it was a completely understandable thing that you would have done too. <laughs> 
you would cry too <laughs> if it happened to you. Da, 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 it wouldn't da. because I wouldn't have thrown a party. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. So Thanos attacks with renewed vigor, knocking out most of the team and shattering one of the moons of Titan with the power stone to drop meteors on Iron Man. My opinion, the coolest. Fighting continues in Wakanda with Thor's arrival having turned the tide. Bucky meets Rocket, Thor, and uh, Bucky meets Rocket. Thor and Steve Rogers reunite, and Thor introduces him to Groot. The, that's my friend Rabbit, and that's my friend Tree. <laughs> I see you've copied my beard. You got a haircut. <laughs> Uh, the Black Order unleash massive gears of death on the battlefield. To save her companion, Scarlet Witch rushes into the battlefield and destroys several of the machines. Okoye expresses frustration. Wanda was up in the palace this whole time. With Shuri undefended, Corvus Glaive attacks. Yes, Robbery? Does Wanda screw up just as much as Peter Quill? I mean, kind of, because she didn't save Vision, right? Yeah, just a thought. Anyway, continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Right, if she would have just done what yeah. the plan, if she would have yeah. just followed the plan, the plan Wanda, she the would plan. have saved uh, Shuri, who could have continued working on Vision, who maybe mm-hmm. would have been able to destroy this whole stone. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people would have died, but the greater good would have been served. But then you think about it for more than five seconds, that. and then you realize <laughs> yeah. it's dumb. I'm just saying, I don't see people yeah. saying it's all Wanda's fault. Sure. Anyway. Um, with Shuri undefended, Corvus Glaive attacks Vision, knocks him out uh, out a window to protect Shuri, putting him on the battlefield. Proxima Midnight corners Wanda, saying she will die alone. Romanov says she's not alone, and she and Okoye jump in to assist Wanda in a three-on-one fight of Marvel women. I think this is the precipice of that that scene that we got in mm-hmm. Endgame. I think this mm-hmm. is where it originated. We got this moment, people oh, were like, oh, that was really cool. Let's do this, but bigger. And that's yeah. how we get the, the really cool moment in Endgame. Um, Wanda and that, that moment is cool in Endgame. Like, I love it. It's more organic here, though. Like, it it's, sure. it yeah. feels very natural instead of, look at all the women together. Now, all the women in my life have said they didn't care that that scene wasn't organic. So that's fine. Um, but I will say that I think this one is more organic, and that's a plus. Wanda ultimately saves Romanov by throwing Proxima Midnight into a death wheel. Um, Call of Sidian in Corvus Glaive Corner, a still-wounded... <laughs> vision uh banner arrives and takes on cole hulk refuses to show up so banner attaches a gauntlet from the hulk buster to cole's arm and launches him into the force field where he explodes we get that moment that you were alluding to um with banner kind of uh, succeeding without the hulk mm-hmm. um rogers fights glaive who manages to win the fight before vision is able to impale him from behind the same way glaive did to vision in scotland vision and wanda kill their original tormentors who claim they would not get another chance we go back to Titan. Spider-Man rescues the heroes from the fallout of Thanos' moon attack on Iron Man. Doctor Strange uses every trick he has against Thanos, but Thanos beats him and remarks that Strange refuses to use his greatest weapon, the Time Stone. Thanos pulls out the Eye of Agamotto and discovers Strange has been hiding the Time Stone. Iron Man attacks Thanos, who reveals he knows who Tony Stark is, and Stark viciously beats Thanos, having to constantly redirect his nanobots due to taking damage. All the yeah, efforts... I think we talked about that the last episode, yeah. but I do think that's a really yep, neat I agree. effect. Yeah. As much as that's, you know, not my favorite Iron Man suit, that is a cool Yeah, the way it's used makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Here. Um, as Thanos retaliates, Stark continues to redirect nanobots, finally attempting to make a spear, which Thanos breaks off and stabs into Tony's abdomen, exposed by moving the bots in order to make the spear. Thanos tells Stark Before oh, go ahead. before we move on, uh the 
Thanos has that line when when Tony, after mm-hmm. doing all this stuff, finally manages mm-hmm. to scratch Thanos's face, mm-hmm. and Thanos says, "All that for a drop of blood." And, and I don't remember no go if ahead. we talked about this and I like and if I brought this up in the Iron Man two episode, but I took that, and I think I was ultimately wrong, but I took that as a callback to Iron Man two, um, where Vanko has that line about uh, if you make God bleed, the people will cease to believe in him, and then there will be sharks in the water. It could be a callback. In this case, I'm not sure that Vanko is right. <laughs> um, what I think is is great, though, is it's directed at, at Tony. But really, that's a statement on every hero in this movie who have literally thrown all of the of Earth's mightiest heroes and the galaxy's mightiest heroes have thrown literally everything they have, except for Captain Marvel, who doesn't have a movie yet, have mm-hmm. thrown literally everything they have at Thanos and all they've gotten out of it was a single drop of blood. Like, that is the moment in this film when you realize this is hopeless. I mean, basically, I think everyone knew how this movie was going to end, for the most part. But that is the moment that really hammers home they're not winning. Thanos tells Stark he hopes the people who remain on Earth remember him and his bravery. Strange pleads for Thanos to spare Stark's life and offers the time stone up. Thanos takes the stone and leaves. He now only needs one stone left. Stark asked Strange and why he. Do you know what I noticed this time? Sorry again. No, no, it's um, okay. But the the way Strange produces the time stone, and I didn't notice it until this time. It's like there's a shot of him. It's like a profile shot of him, and there are stars behind him, and then he puts his fingers up like he's grabbing the star out of the sky, and it turns into the time stone. Oh, interesting. And yeah, I, I had never as many times as I've watched this movie, which is a lot. Uh, this is a movie that, uh, like, when it was first on Netflix, even though we, we bought the Blu-ray, like, the day it came out, uh, when it was on Netflix, Angela would just, like, put it on and, like, have it on. You know, it was very much a, you know, it was a constant presence in in our in our home. Uh, but I never noticed that that they did that little perspective trick when he, when he and I just thought that was kind of cool. neat. It, it feels almost, almost comic booky in a way in that it took a, like, you're looking at it from this perspective in a specific angle. It wouldn't make sense if you're looking at it from any other angle, but it looks neat, so we're going to do it. Oh, yeah. That's all. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Stark asks Strange why he gave up the stone, and Strange answers, we're in the end game now. Foreshadowing. <gasps> <gasps> uh, as the Wakandan army starts to win, Thanos' army retreats while Thor destroys their entire ships. The Avengers assemble near Captain America as Thanos arrives on the battlefield. One by one, Thanos takes out his opposition as he approaches Vision and Wanda. Vision convinces Wanda they are out of time and she has to destroy the Mind Stone in him. The Avengers provide interference, giving Wanda just enough time to emotionally destroy the stone and her robot boyfriend with it. Uh, <laughs> this is also where we get that scene of, of Cap stepping in Thanos' way mm-hmm. and Thanos punching with the gauntlet and Steve grabbing the gauntlet and actually stopping the punch. And he's struggling with all his might by stopping it. And Thanos makes like this face of, oh, look at this one. Mm-hmm. And then punches him with his other hand. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> But still, it is one of those kind of moments of, of respect that we see from Thanos that we talked about earlier. I just answered your rhetorical like jab at the general public from earlier, Robbie. The reason that nobody do- does the whole, well, 
nobody because like, in Wanda messed up thing is because you immediately not immediately but very soon later in the movie see the right that thing. whatever she no 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 not that oh. she does the right thing that because he got the time stone it would not have mattered if she had destroyed it earlier That's or not true. or stayed in the room or not because he would have just reversed time and got it anyway. So let me I ask think you that. Do you that's think that's actually why? Like, that's a good reason, but do you think people actually think that far? I think I, I think if anything, it's because we do, do then see her kill her robot boyfriend. Yeah. That and, might have you know, been, that she, might be it too. She goes through with it. She is able to, I mean, it's, it's a devastating emotional moment for her, but she pushes through it because that's what heroes do. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> God, it's God. It's a rough moment. And, and I'm, yeah. I think the audience knows going into that moment what's going to happen. Maybe not necessarily exactly how, but probably pretty close to how. You know, you just saw him get the time stone. I think most audience members are sitting there knowing this is going to be this horrible, crushing, emotional moment. Then it's just going to get undone and the bad guy's going to win. And I think they played this moment knowing at this point the audience realizes all your expectations for how a happy ending comes in a film none of it is going to matter and i think that made this even worse than it already is mm-hmm. and couple that with the fact that if you have been watching any of these movies uh, or at the very least paying attention to what's going on in the one you're currently watching you know that vision has to die for mm-hmm. thanos to complete the gauntlet mm-hmm. so regardless of if that if that stone is destroyed or not, if he gets the time stone, whatever happens, you kind of know from the start of the movie that mm-hmm. Vision is going to die. Yep. Mm-hmm. And since it's the last thing left, you know that it's it, here it comes. Yep. Like there's only one left, and there's only one way to get it. And the music and just the cinematography, like that is this I think is the most crushing sequence in the MCU. It's it's rough. Is that a pun? Uh-huh. So what they were just alluding to was, or alluding by saying exactly, Thanos expresses understanding Wanda's loss <laughs> and then uses the Time Stone to reverse Vision's destruction and take the Mind Stone, killing Vision a second time. Does Did he remember just, dying oh. the first time and then like came back and then had to die again? I don't know. Yeah, he, he and Loki have a lot in common. Or from his point of view, <laughs> did Wanda just suddenly turn into Thanos, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh my god that's probably what he saw <laughs> oh my gosh time travel from the pov of other people yeah and now oh he boy. has all of the infinity stones does this mean that the time stone is the most powerful of the stones i, I kind of is. always thought it was yeah. anyway yeah Thor arrives from dealing with the spaceships and hurls Stormbreaker into Thanos' chest, reminding him Thor promised to kill him. Why doesn't anybody get mad at Thor? He should have gone for the head. Oh, hand. I'm sorry. Which is interesting because I think, I don't know if they want you to be mad at Thor, but they absolutely make a point of Thor messed up. Like, they don't do Mm -hmm. that with Star-Lord, they don't do that with Wanda, but they absolutely make a point of Thor messed up. And Thor oh, they makes do it with that Thor point. because uh, Star Lord and Wanda aren't around in the next movie to have that continue their character arc, and Thor is. I I honestly think that a lot of yeah. why Star Lord got um, crapped on in, and yes, some of it I think was in humor, but I think the people that earnestly do it, they really, really, really dislike 
when something bad happens because someone gets emotional. But honestly, that's what Thor is. His emotion isn't anger here, but his emotion is vengeance. And because he's trying to savor his revenge emotionally, that costs literally half the universe. And I think it's interesting is because I think that's something that a lot of us as audience members wanted too. Yes. We wanted to see Thor kill Thanos. Because right. I, I said this at the very beginning of the first, of this uh, of part one of this was that when they introduced the movie by having Thanos come in and wipe out half of Asgard and kill Heimdall and kill Loki, uh, that I immediately went from thinking, are they going to actually make Thanos work after all this setup that wasn't really good setup? Uh, to thinking, I can't wait to watch this guy die. I don't know if I've ever felt that way about a movie villain before, where it's like, I can't wait you know, for the heroes to win. And even knowing that it was going to take a whole other movie for that to happen, mm-hmm. I was very excited about it. And and when Thor shows up in Wakanda, and when he shouts, bring me Thanos, we're like, yes, yep. yes. Like, we're getting, we, we all want blood too. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, so we're right there with Thor wanting it to be like, yes, drive because he like even pushes the the axe even further. Yeah. Like oh, into weird. his chest, you know, and it's like it's it's brutal. And it's, you know, we're letting Thor Thor's anger. Mm-hmm. But this anger that has been building up since Ragnarok, uh, you know, you know, it's like, oh, we just want him to have this moment. We want him to have this moment. And then Thanos takes that away, too. And it makes it that much more of a gut punch for us as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of it is everyone loves Thor. Everyone loves Wanda. I think a lot of people don't love Peter Quill. And I'd be willing to bet that the Venn diagram of blame Star Wars earnestly, not not the people who were joking about it, and... Mm don't like Peter Quill, I'll bet that Venn diagram is close to a circle. And I'll bet that's a lot of where it's coming from. That makes sense. Thanos tells Thor he should have gone for the head, then snaps his fingers. Thanos experiences a vision of young Gamora. Another wonderful meme. (laughs) What it cost. (laughs) See if it was successful. Thanos says it costs him everything. Uh, (laughs) Thanos teleports away from Wakanda while the heroes stand around confused. Bucky wanders up to Steve, then fades to dust. Half of the Wakandan army begins to turn to dust, as to Ch- as does T'Challa, as he comes to the aid of Okoye. Groot slowly fades away in front of Rocket, which and this one really got me because he says, mm-hmm. "Oh no, not again!" Um, mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, "Like, oh my god!" Like he has to watch Groot die again. Mm-hmm. Like, and do you know what Groot is saying there? He's saying, "I am Groot." Yeah. No. Well, no, you know correct. what that translates to? <laughs> no. Because every I am Groot in the script, and this is something that James Gunn did in the uh, uh, in the Guardians movies as well. They gave Vin Diesel a script for what each I am Groot actually translates to, and that one was Dad. Crap. Oh my gosh. Uh huh. <laughs> oh no. I didn't. Crap. I could have lived another day without knowing that. Bye. <laughs> Right? He looks at Rocket. Well, I'm not watching the movie again. And, yeah. Alright, so discussion. Is Rocket a good dad, or is he a bad daddy? No, absolutely. He's a... He's... <laughs> the world tree may have been your dad, but he wasn't your daddy. <laughs> but, oh. Sound design in this scene, by the way, because there's no music, and you just mm-hmm. hear... And I feel like I remember in the theaters, like you could kind of feel in your stomach. There's like something in the bass yep. 
uh, like in the subwoofer. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but there's like this kind of this wind and it's just like all the air is being sucked out of your lungs watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanda disappears while mourning over Vision. Sam fades from existence as Rhodey looks for him. Mantis, Drax, and Quill turn to dust on Titan. And then we get the the worst one oh. of them all. Strange tells Stark there was no other way, then follows suit. And finally, Peter Parker slowly turns to dust in Tony Stark's arms, pleading not to go. This is especially tough because, you know, Peter's a kid, right? And he mm-hmm. is doing what a kid would do if he, like, didn't understand mm-hmm. what was going on and was about to, like, pass away. Like, he was confused. He was scared. He didn't want to go. He wasn't some sort of hero that was brave to die gloriously in battle. He was a scared kid being like, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to go, you know? And that's real, man. That And he's apologizing yep. to Tony, right. too, yep. because he feels yep. like he failed. Even though, no, it's not your fault. It's Star-Lord's. Yep. We've already said <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, but we've already written a dissertation about it. Yeah, no. this scene is also interesting because both Mantis and and Spider Man. I'm going to say Spider Man because there's two Peters in this scene. Um, we're going to use their made up names. <laughs> uh, but both Mantis and Spider Man, before anything happens, they both feel something's happening because they both have sort of like extrasensory abilities. Mantis with her her empathic abilities and and spider-man with his peter tingle and (laughs) something's happening so they're actually they even kind of hold it off a little bit and and spider-man even more than anyone else is able to hold it off to get that thing and it's just such a emotional scene and apparently i think the russos that wasn't necessarily like all those words were not in the script Yes, they talk about this on the commentary. Yeah, they. Yeah, um, then you you tell the story because you've heard it more recently. Well, well yeah. so first off, I'll t- tell you that my interpretation was exactly the same as yours. Of okay, because of Spider Sense and because of his strength and his healing factor, like Spider Man's able to hold this off. Um, and I like that because those are things that that's how I interpret Spider Man mm-hmm. um, as this character I love, and I loved how well they brought the Spider Man I love to this movie. And then they straight up confirm that on the commentary that this is Peter Parker because of his spider powers is able to hold this off a little longer, but isn't able to. And that's actually what they told Tom Holland to do. They told him, you're fighting this as Spider-Man, but you're scared as Peter Parker. Oh. And, but you're also <laughs> right. Originally, originally he was just going to fade to dust with Tony or something like that. And they said, no, we need this to be a whole performance. We need this to be, we a need Spider-Man to survive this because he's, you know, Spider-Man. Um, as long as he can and then get to dust. But also we need this strong moment for Tony, who just at the start of the film, the first time we saw him was talking about having children. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. And so you're absolutely correct that they drew it out to make this moment more important, A, for the sake of the movie, B, for the sake of motivation for Tony Stark, but also C, just to, because it fit with Spider-Man and Spider-Man's power set. Um so you're absolutely right that they they and they talk about that on the commentary of building the scene out more to being what it is, and they also do a lot of give a lot of credit to Tom Holland and his performance, which I think is justified. It is interesting that you brought that up because a I hadn't thought about the connection to him talking to Pepper about children at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting when you know that he does go on to have a child, because a lot of times in stories like this you get characters where tragic things happen to them and then they 
like kind of don't necessarily move on from it right away. So it's interesting that he still chose to have a kid after he he literally had somebody that he kind of saw in that light turn to dust in his hands. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like, do think it's interesting in Endgame that he does keep that picture of Peter up on his fridge. Yeah. 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 That's tough. I mean, he, I guess well, he had five years, what? but... Yeah. Well, actually, no, because they had the kid, like, essentially right away then, huh? Yeah, it must have been, like... like, four or five? Oh, it was uh, however long it took five? him to get back. Yeah, so she's... I think, yeah, so she's got to be younger than five, unless unless she was pregnant when he went to space. Which I suppose is possible. Which he says, and and he he mentions, like they start that like basically asking him, you know, he's saying, you know, my dreams are precognitive. Are you pregnant? Maybe he was right. Maybe yeah. she was. She just didn't know yet. Maybe. Uh, also, sorry, go back to Tony and Peter in this scene for a moment. Uh, back in Spider-Man: Homecoming, when Tony goes to open the door and Peter goes in for the hug, he's like, "Oh no, we're not there yet." They <laughs> hug in this scene, and it's ugh. I mean, it, it hurt. It hurts my heart. That's a tough scene. Um, man. And then, and then, of course, we get the the actual hug in Endgame, too, what, uh, under much happier circumstances, um, as well, which which is a nice payoff. Uh, but happier circumstances for a few minutes. <laughs> They're in the middle of a violent battle. <laughs> yeah, but but everyone's back now, so it's happy. <laughs> but, um, no, off. you're. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. I'm just telling you that the happy circumstances are like we're grading on a curve here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Nebula tells Tony he did it. Steve Rogers simply says, "Oh God," and we get what is one of the best closing scenes of any Marvel movie, which is Thanos sitting down outside of on uh, outside the home on his farm, watching the sunset on what he believes is a grateful universe. It is so like almost poetic at the end of this mm-hmm. movie. You know, there was a lot of people talking about how the protagonist of, and I think Robbie said this specifically, the protagonist mm-hmm. of this movie is Thanos. He is not the hero of the story, but he is the force that drives the movie forward. He is the main character, if you will, of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with him. It begins with him and it ends with yep. him. Yep, the, the classic heroic sunset shot, just it's the bad guy. Um, and it's a great homage to the source material where the reasons Thanos is on his farm at the end of Infinity Gauntlet are different. Like, that's a different setting. He hasn't been successful. He's just basically retired. Um, but it's still a perfect homage to the end of Infinity Gauntlet with Thanos on his farm, complete the scarecrow made of his armor. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris... We always knew there was going to be a part two, right? At first, it was Infinity Wars part one and two, and then it got changed to Endgame. So we always knew there was going to be a second one coming. But this movie does a really good job of just uh, being a great movie on its own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, So we've talked about this before. It was originally announced as Infinity War part one, Infinity War part two. And then somewhere along the line, they said, well, it's infinity war and we'll tell you the name of the next movie later <laughs> and they they wanted to wait until this movie had been out for a while and i think they even waited until it had been released like uh, had its home release before they uh revealed the title of avengers endgame which they revealed in the trailer um because they said oh it's a spoiler so we don't want to tell you before this movie has come out uh, 
and but they uh and and the reason they did that was that they wanted to reflect that they didn't want people thinking oh this is a movie that has been chopped in half and made into two movies um they did film the movies back to back uh i mean i guess you could even argue partially simultaneously uh and there were things that they had originally thought were going to be an infinity war that ended up being an end game like uh Professor Hulk, that was supposed to happen in the Battle of Wakanda. Interesting. And they realized, no, this does not work. And that, so they had uh, Banner figure out his Hulk problems in the uh, in the time jump instead, uh, because they thought, oh, this is just too much for one, uh, you know, to throw into this battle here at the end. Uh, but but even though they are filmed back to back and made made at the same time and you know, even while they were doing post-production on one, they were working on the other and, you know, kind of working out the kinks into how the story was going to play out. Uh, I, to me, at least, I think they do feel like distinct films. They are distinct movies. It doesn't feel like, yeah. Like with the exception of Captain America, not having too much to do in, in infinity war with the implicit promise that, Oh, he's going to get a lot to do in Endgame. Uh, it does, uh, it doesn't feel like there was anything that was left out of Infinity War to be saved for Endgame, and 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 I, and I said Cap is the exception, but even that, it doesn't feel like oh there was more that Cap should have done in this movie. It's it's just there was so much other stuff going on. With this being the Thanos movie, it is a full complete story. Yes, it's one that has a hell of a downer ending, but it is still a full story and. And I think the the way they made that work was by making it a story about Thanos and the Avengers right. trying to stop him, as opposed to it being a story about the Avengers trying to stop Thanos, which is a subtle distinction, but it is there nonetheless. And and, and even though there there are certainly parts of the movie that are about them trying to stop Thanos, but every character's story is kicked off when Thanos shows up. Thor's whole journey is because of Thanos. He runs into the Guardians, which is how they get involved, but of course they, through Gamora, already have a connection to Thanos. Uh, same thing with all of the uh, the Earthbound Avengers. It's Tony and Steve get involved because because Bruce shows up. And it, it's all, it all stems from everything Thanos does. That is what drives the story along. So there is a beginning, middle, and end. It's not beginning, extra long, middle, cliffhanger. Yeah. And you could even argue that, I mean, it's people, and I heard people complain about this, like, oh, well, this is a, a cliffhanger ending. This is half a movie. No, it's an ending. We only yep. consider it a cliffhanger because our expectations are that the heroes are going to end up winning in the end. Right. But no, the, they lost and they have to deal with it. And the next movie is about them dealing with it. But that is a different story. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's so all the way back, starting with um, Back to the Future 2 and 3, and then really mm. ramping up with Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, and some yeah. other films. Um, we've been in this thing where we film two movies basically together yeah. as different parts. Um, Twilight did it. Harry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter did it. Like, that's how we do things now. And and honestly, I think that's fine. Um, I, some of those movies work. Some of those, those don't. Um, I think Lord of the Rings made it look like that's the perfect plan, and it's not necessarily. Right. But... Um, what I think is very interesting is what you just said, where these two films were done that way and yet don't in any way feel like that. It feels like Infinity War 
was its own tragic but its own movie and you know future generations might look at um uh end game as almost the way we look at like uh say um the last crusade or a film that came out months or or maybe almost more like aliens and alien like it's a sequel but feels like a different movie like it is definitely connected but feels like it has a different feel it has a different arc it has it stands alone it has its own beginning middle and end even though it's a sequel that came it's just it came years later with a different director and different goals and different literally a different genre um and i feel like that's the case here even though they were made by the same people in you know at the same time mm-hmm. um with full knowledge of what the next movie is going to be so it's fascinating the way that they decided hey let's make these two movies together but let's basically make them different movies mm-hmm. and and i think they're stronger for it yeah and and with this being a retrospective i'll say it i think that a lot of that you know i kind of like felt like it was going to be that way after i saw infinity war but we didn't know until we saw endgame that it was going to work and i think a big part of that is the way they handled the story in Endgame with them going to the five-year time jump and then for the Mm -hmm. five-year time jump to stick when it was all over. I think that by doing that, it there are so many people who are like, oh, this doesn't matter because it's all going to get undone when Endgame comes out or when Avengers 4 comes out or whatever we were calling it at the time. And it... the, The... What happened in this movie mattered. Yes, we brought back the half of the universe that that got blipped away, that got snapped. But now, and we saw a little bit of this in Spider-Man Far From Home, the world now has to adjust to that. There were five years, and, and, and the universe will have to adjust to that. So we'll be seeing that in Guardians and the Eternals and whatever else comes out that takes us into the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe again. Uh, but... Everything that happened in Infinity War, even if certain individual character quote-unquote deaths didn't stick, everything else that happened in Infinity War did stick and will have ramifications you know, for these stories that we're going to tell in the future. So, so I think that was a great way. It's almost like they're anticipating people writing off Infinity War's own it doesn't matter because yeah. they'll do a cosmic hand wave in in the end yeah that's probably why you're probably right um no uh, that's all very interesting um you you bring up a good point and i had a had something i was going to add to it and then i totally forgot cut this part out and if you want to say something (laughs) please please leave this part in please leave it in it won't matter because robbie's audio is getting blipped that's true he's getting snapped yeah absolutely um Uh, post-credit scene we got Maria Hill and Nick Fury observe the results of half of the living beings in New York disappearing. Maria Hill turns to dust, and as Fury turns to dust, he activates a red, white, and yellow pager, which we get to see is you know it's going to be Captain Marvel. What I love about this end credit scene and this end credit scene, um, Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel, which all happen in between. Uh, this in Endgame is we get absolutely no information about what's happening in Endgame. Nothing. Up until Endgame comes out, mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going to happen. What's when's it going to take place? What's going to be this? We nothing. And I think we were all sort of clamoring for that end credit scene, the one that was going to tell us what Endgame was going to be about, and we never got it. That end scene, end credit scene, doesn't exist. Yep. Up until that, the, I mean, the closest thing you can get is. 
Scott Lang and them him and being trapped in um in the quantum yeah, realm. Yeah, then you're right? like, well, like how is he going to get out of that? <laughs> right. Right. Um, and little do you know, it's just going to be some birds. It was or, a rat. It was a bird. It was right? a rat. Yeah. It was a rat. Yeah. yeah um, Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel both set up elements of Endgame, but they don't in any way explain. I and well, and it's interesting you say that because I remember, I remember when Captain Marvel came out. The reaction on social media was, yep, this is how they get Thanos. They get this super powerful person, and she comes and she stomps Thanos. I remember um, a uh, a college football writer that um, Soundlord and I both love. I, I um, know Soundlord's exactly what tweet you're talking about. Um, but um, uh, why can't I think of his – what's his actual name? I want to say every day should be Saturday, but what's his Spencer actual Hall. name? Uh, yeah, Spencer Hall um, had a great line where he came out of Captain Marvel and he tweeted, Captain Marvel was great. Thanos about to blow the biggest fourth quarter lead we've ever seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and that was the reaction. Everyone thought, okay, so Captain Marvel just gave them yeah. the solution to Endgame. I remember and Danny then, said that when he saw it, some girl like in front of him said, oh, Thanos is so screwed. <laughs> and that wasn't the case at all. She factors in that movie, but she is not the end of the movie. And part of it is kind of something Chris was talking about is the way they made the next movie sort of make things matter and make this last is endgame we went in thinking okay this is going to be the chase for thanos the stopping thanos everything no they find thanos and kill him in the first few minutes yes. which we'll talk about <laughs> but like so captain marvel gets her show up beat thanos moment and then it's in the first few minutes and then they've got to figure out okay what do we do now that everything he's done is permanent mm -hmm. and that's what that movie is and that's part of why it stands alone but that's also part of how they handed handled captain marvel they play with our expectations again of okay here we are captain marvel she's powerful enough to stop thanos and then she gets some moments against him but that movie is not about well now we can beat thanos because we have captain marvel also i want to talk about that that end credit scene with fury and the pager just in the context of this movie because uh correct me if i'm wrong robbie because you probably would have heard this in the commentary but didn't they discuss not doing an end credit scene at all um I stopped listening when the credits were playing. So, but that oh. sounds like something I've heard somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think they were talking about not doing an end credit scene at all. Cause they didn't do a mid credit scene and, and, and the credits themselves. And I think I mentioned it last time, but, uh, but it bears repeating uh, that there is no fancy computer generated main on end. Like there is in every other Marvel movie up to this point, it is yeah. white text on a black screen while yep. sad music plays and then yes. the logo doesn't Dark. even appear. It's just the title, Avengers Infinity War, which then fades into dust like everyone And I did. remember my theater yeah. groaned at that. Everyone's uh -huh. sitting there waiting for the mid-credit scene. And then just, I feel like they just took like this emotional, they'd been so emotional. And my theater in particular was really emotional about what just happened to Black Panther. Like they really yeah. took that hard. And I think that they, it sounded to me like I sensed that that dusting was like, oh, thanks for reminding us. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then there's no scene after that. And then we finally do get the scene. We're like, oh, hey, Nick Fury. Great. Oh, good. At least there's someone out there. No, they turn to dust too. But then we do finally get that yeah. little bit <laughs> of hope when we see Captain Marvel's yeah. logo. Like, even if you don't know who Captain Marvel is at this point, you're like, okay, well, Fury's just called someone. Hopefully they didn't mm -hmm. get snapped. And and <laughs> and the, uh, the logo appearing, I think, is supposed to be their way of saying, hey, this message was received. You know, maybe maybe they're going to leave us on red. I don't know, but uh, they're going to show. <laughs> She's going to ghost me. But then, 
my favorite thing they did that I think made me audibly yell, you bastards, in the theater was, you know how at the end of every movie we get like, Thor will return or the Avengers will return. In this one, it's Thanos will return. Yeah, And it's like, you monsters, you absolute monsters. (laughs) (laughs) I almost, now that we're talking about this, I... I didn't know that I had strong feelings on this before, but I almost wish they would have left out. If if that is true, I almost wish they would have left out the end credit scene. I, I thought it was cool to know that Captain Marvel was coming up and and yeah, we'll talk about it later, but obviously like Captain Marvel was really great for the MCU in a lot of ways, but we still would have gotten that movie with or without an end credit scene. And it, it was cool to see Nick Fury and, and Maria Hill in one scene of this movie that had everyone else in it. But also, how much do you think it could have been the studio trying to hype up their next movie? The next movie was Ant Man. Yeah, like and people, and whatever their next movie would have been, people would have seen it at that point. Like once you watch Infinity War, are you gonna stop? Like, are you you not gonna watch the resolution? But they still advertise Star Wars films, and I don't think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, think studios just advertise to advertise. I think it was a it was a combination of things. I think. You you can't explain unless you make the end credit scene of Captain Marvel, yes. Nick Fury and Maria Hill this. disappearing. But I feel like that wouldn't necessarily have had the same impact. But you could have done that and then had this the end credits Captain Marvel scene in Endgame proper. But yeah. that would th- that would have thrown th- there would have been like a whole ripple effect. So I think that was part of it. I think part of it, going back to the fact that there are kids who love these movies and people who are not as plugged into things who love these movies, giving just the tiniest bit of hope after the credits, I think, was was kind of important. You know, just to let everyone know, hey, there 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 might be a way through this. So so I think you could argue and 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 I can definitely see the argument of like, man, what if there was just nothing? Uh, but. I have to remember that these movies aren't just for us, that there are other people who probably seeing that, you know, yeah. there are some parents who are able to go home and tell their kids, well, hey, you know, Captain Marvel's coming. You don't know who she is yet, but when you do, you're going <laughs> to feel... I don't know feel, who she is, but she's going to save You're going to feel a lot better. <laughs> All right, so let's go into our MVPs oh, for yeah. this movie. Okay. Um, we're going to start with Chris. Chris, who was your MVP I went, for Avengers and My Marvel? MVP is... Uh, the Lord of Thunder himself, Sparkles, uh, Thor. <laughs> um, I just, just, I love Thor's entire arc. I mean, he begins this movie, he he ends the movie really, except for Thanos. Uh, the and if there is a main character Avenger in this, which there isn't really, I feel like you could art, you could make an argument that it is Thor, uh, and you just see. And this continues into Endgame too. The weight of everything he's gone through from Ragnarok through this, just all the loss that he has had to deal with. Uh, just just Thor, a character that I always liked well enough. In the last two movies he was in, all of a sudden, it's like I am Team Thor all the way. Like I just I have just like come to really love that character. I love the way he's written. I love the way Chris Hemsworth plays him. Uh, it's a, you know, we talk about how this movie has a great balance of the humor and the, and the seriousness and the drama and the tragedy and Thor 
encompasses that he himself is a great balance of humor and tragedy and, and pathos and all of that and 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 he gets extra bonus points for what is one of my all-time favorite uh, moments in any movie for that that arrival in wakanda just yeah i've never been so excited to see a movie character show up as a, even more than captain america who is my favorite avenger even more than cap showing up at the train station for showing up in wakanda just made me want to like stand up and cheer Peaches, what about you? I, th- I think I already spoiled this in part one. I don't know. It was 84 years ago, so I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but no, it's Thor. And I don't, I, I, the more I think about this, the less I need to think about why Thor is the MVP. And, and Soundlord kind of said, said it all, but this movie is, is, is about Thanos, the protagonist, but it could very well be about Thor, the protagonist also. Um, you see more development of his loss. You see him go through, just like a lot of other characters, but you see him go through a very important character arc of losing more again, resolving the loss of uh, his hammer, finding a way to tr- that he thinks he can defeat Thanos, and then failing again. His whole act is tragedy on tragedy on tragedy, but he still like keeps going, and he's just like you can't look past that scene in Wakanda you can't it's so good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like like Eduardo you you reading about it earlier actually did make me go Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just just (laughs) thinking about it I mean it's so good and there's a lot of great characters in this movie but I I think once you get to the back half of the MCU I think the overall story of the MCU revolves just as much around Thor as it does um, uh, like a character like Tony Stark, where you, you see him, you see him in a lot of movies, and and overall, you could make an argument that Tony Stark had like the whole MCU up until Endgame is kind of like a Tony Stark story in a way. But I think once you get to the second half, it's also a Thor story, like maybe even sooner than that. I agree, Robbie. What about you? Um, so. I never thought that there would be a harder film than the Guardians film to pick my MVP, but I think mm-hmm. this is far and away harder. This is so hard, and it really depends on my mood. Uh, I did think it was interesting that Chris said if there's a main character, it's Thor, when I would say if there's a main character, it's Thanos. Um, and... I, said ma- I said main Avenger. <laughs> oh, got it, got it, yeah. my bad. Well, then I agree. Um, and if I didn't, Thor. I meant to. Uh, but I think I'm really close to saying Thanos. Um, I'm really, And then Doctor Strange and Spider-Man are two characters I love, and they are given great moments in this film in particular spider-man i feel like this is the most combination of entertaining and faithful spider-man has ever been in a movie ever Uh um and so depending on my mood i could go with spider-man or doctor strange but i decided to go with gamora because the emotions of gamora in this film i feel more than any other character in this movie um and i also think that zoe saldana's just portrayal is fantastic. I think her importance to the plot um, and the whole soul, soul stone sequence is phenomenal. Um, so it's real hard. Um, but Gamora is my MVP. I think for me, I, I I'd honestly left this um, left this blank up until right now, until probably maybe like five minutes, maybe ten minutes ago. Um, and the more we talked about the movie, the more I think I, I tried to think about what 
what made me happiest when I was watching the movie, when I felt like I was happiest. And honestly, the happiest times I was watching this movie are when the Guardians of the Galaxy were on screen. When the Guardians were there, to me, were just they were just so much fun. Specifically, the initial scene of them all in the um, it's not the the Milano anymore. It's the Benatar. Uh, the Benatar. Benatar. Yeah. Benatar. They're all in the Benatar. I know because I control and... F and replaced all Milano into Benatar <laughs> in the script mid episode. Um, and they're all just having a great time. And I think the way that they interact with the rest of the MCU is so different. Um, and so my MVP is actually going to end up being star Lord. I, when I was talking about star Lord being an emotional core in this movie, I, the more I think about it, the more I agree with it. He has like Robbie says, an arc in this movie and it's an arc of, Tra- it's not a, it's a tragedy mm-hmm. right it's not a it's not a happy arc it's not an arc that ends with yeah, i think it's positive resolution it's an arc that ends with tragedy him tied with wanda probably for the most Ooh, tragic yeah. arc yeah in, yeah the two of them movie right and i i think it's such a a wonderful contrast for for star lord also star lord as a character deals with a ton of tragedy in every single movie Mm -hmm. you watch star lord deal with some kind of tragedy the first star guardians movie he deals with his mom dying you watch that the second one he has to kill his dad for killing his mom in this movie you have to watch him kill uh you have to watch him basically attempt to kill the person that he loves to like as like her final wish and then he doesn't even get to say goodbye to her like star lord tends to have a lot of kind of really bad stuff happening to him but either way i think as much as we, some people might not agree, I think Star-Lord is an emotional core to this movie and I think is really important to it. And I find myself, I'm going to pick just one of those, the Guardians. It's really hard to pick. It would be Star-Lord, but a real close second is Drax in this movie. Yeah. Drax. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, I didn't even see him in this. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and then he starred in Blumhouse's Invisible Man. The next question is kind of stupid. How does this movie fit in the MCU? This movie is the yeah. MCU. Like, I don't think it's really easy to answer this question because this movie is literally, this is it. Like, this is the culmination of everything. This is the MCU. It's funny because the ad campaign was all like, it's all been leading up to this. It's like, until next year when it turns out it's all been leading up to that. Right. <laughs> you know what? But you can't have that without it's this. Inter- it's interesting you say that, but after what you were saying about how they're, they're independent movies... I do feel like it all led to this. And then Endgame was not everything led to Endgame. It was Endgame was almost like... like Infinity War has been leading to this. Like yeah. wrapping up Infinity War in a way that left us emotionally happy. But it's almost like this feels like the end of everything the MCU was. And then Endgame was like a bonus happy ending. Yeah. A very long happy ending. It's like everything led to this, and then Endgame was the fallout of it. <laughs> Only way I know. Endgame is the inverse of what the new, the uh, sequel trilogy is in Star Wars, where the happy ending's undone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Robbie, there's so many ways to just misquote you today. <laughs> <sighs> Tobias, you right. go hard. <laughs> Ratings. I will start it off with the lowest rating out of all of us. <laughs> I will give Avengers Infinity War nine and a half sweet rabbits. Jesus, Eduardo. Oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> 9.5. What a terrible rating for a movie. Oh. How dare you? You must hate this movie. <laughs> I see that DC is in your You're pocket. You're right, I do. <laughs> 
I uh, I gave it ten. Yeah, this this is my first ten. Uh, ten pints of hunka hulka burning fudge out of ten. Uh, this is also my first ten. Part of why there hasn't been a previous ten is because I knew that this was going to be a ten, and I was holding movie against this standard because this is a retrospective. But I went with ten wizard necklaces out of ten. I actually, contrary to that, did not expect any movie to be a ten. And then as I'm trying to understand what I should rate this movie, I couldn't think of a reason not to give it a 10. So it ended up with 10 perfectly balanced universes out of 10 for me. Wouldn't it be five perfectly balanced universes out of 10 in Thanos? Well, then it'd be five out of five. Oh, Thanos' thinking is flawed. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, fine. Five out of five. (laughs) We'll go with rankings. Each of you tell... Now that you've told your scores that are all so different, <laughs> tell your rankings that are all now so different. Okay, so I obviously, with that being my first 10, have Infinity War at the top. What I will say is that what it what it bopped out of the top five, that's what I'll say, is Guardians of the Galaxy. So Guardians of the Galaxy was number five, and it was an 8.5 for me. So I think no matter if I would have not placed uh infinity war in the 10 slot i think it still would have bopped guardians because i I can't see myself giving it anything lower than like nine um but yeah so it's in the lead wow surprise so it's it's obviously my top as well um it wasn't particularly close peaches i think it's interesting we've talked about as this this series has gone on early on you and i basically had the same ranking and then it started to get different in the middle for a little while but i still think it's similar enough that also Guardians of the Galaxy is now out of my top five. Um, it uh, this pushed, even though I love Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Winter Soldier. Hmm? I don't want to interrupt no, you, but I'm going to because according to this Did list that I'm reading, Guardians of the Galaxy that, is still five. You're right, I miscounted. You. You're right, I miscounted. <laughs> Black Panther gets pushed out of my top five. You're right. Black Panther got knocked out. But Guardians is basically right there because yes. you have Black Panther in the slot that I have Guardians of the Galaxy. And so we have, so you and I have Guardians yeah. and, and Black Panther switched. Got it. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I, uh, I also have Infinity War number one. Uh, <gasps> rounding out my top five uh, would be Ragnarok, uh, Volume 2, The First Avengers, and The First Avenger. <laughs> And I'm going to be the contrarian of the group. Uh, Black Panther is going to be number one, and I don't anticipate that Mm -hmm. changing for the rest of this this series. Until Um, Black Panther 2. Until Black Panther 2, right? (laughs) And I am very, very, very torn on the next one. I have flip-flopped Guardians of the Galaxy and Infinity War six or seven times, and I'm still undecided. Right now I have Guardians in front of Infinity War, but... Ask me tomorrow, and it might be the you know the exact opposite, because those movies are are both very near and dear to my heart. The only reason Black Panther gets a little bit of an edge because I think it it means a little bit more to me than the other two mm-hmm. movies. Um, so like while I enjoy Black Panther just as much as I enjoyed Guardians and just as much as I enjoyed Infinity War, Black Panther means a little bit more to me than the other two movies. That being said, after those three movies, I have got the Winter Soldier and then Ant Man. I'm surprised Winter Soldier's that high. Really? I mean, it, we 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 concluded that it was still, although it was a hyped up movie. I recall in that episode saying, as extra hype as everyone usually is about this movie, it's still really good. Right. My, it is still. It's a very still good movie. three on my list, also. Yeah, I feel like Winter Soldier yeah. is a great case for how 
overrated and bad are not the same thing because i actually do think winter soldier is a little overrated i also think it's a really close to perfect movie it's just that people tell me it is literally perfect i weirdly i love winter soldier winter soldier yeah it's a fantastic movie it's number eight on my list right now you have it lower than all oh of us. Oh my goodness, you're right. Some Captain America weird? fan you are. Soundlord has Winter Soldier the lowest of everyone in this group. The oh dude who goodness. was called Skipper Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Skipper. I know, isn't that weird? Winter Soldier the lowest. Wow. Yeah, but because it, 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 I still have First Avenger in front of it and uh, Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Um, Keeping out. I also have volume two higher than most of you as well which is another reason i think it's a bit lower but to be but, fair know, i'm looking over their is... rankings neither of them even has volume two in their rankings on this this uh in these notes what's well, volume two guardian yes i do shut up yeah it's right there oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait where is it you don't have it no i was talking about me he Mine's just put it behind be the dark world like a jerk <laughs> I don't mean yeah. that, but I wanted to stir up controversy like I always do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know, but uh, kind of like you, Eduardo, I feel like asking me on another day because I look at these rankings sometimes and I go, that's not right. But other times I look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's right. But but I'm looking at it right now going, oh, Black Panther's low. But then I look at it again and like, right. I don't want to bump any of those ones out either. So it's like, uh, you know, it. Uh, it, it changes uh based on my mood really i yeah, and i just yeah. always been bad at ranking yeah, things, there are so. pockets in here where it's like depends on the day and then there's like like infinity war is definitely my number one um but then civil war and ragnarok i could reverse depending on the day it's yeah yeah i, I know what you mean oh i see what happened i'm going i'm sorry i'm going through my old notes now i we obviously gave it a rating because we do that on this show but i just didn't put the rating into the ranking for some reason wait yes i did it's supposed to be after cap okay supposed to be, but isn't. i'm, I'm segueing here <laughs> i love the way how methodical you are with this because i am the exact opposite i guarantee you some movies that i have rated higher are lower on the list than movies that i've rated oh, yeah. well to be fair we're not rated just... them on the same scale <laughs> well they're <laughs> It's just kind of how I feel at the time of making the list. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I um, But that's going to do it for this episode. Oh, no, no, okay. no. I was just going to say, I just literally have a note where I just, I've kept my ranking as we've gone on. Um, I have tweaked it between episodes now and then, though. But that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. The Assembly Required crew will return <laughs> with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Uh, going back in time. So... Back Back to the the good time is before before the snap. <laughs> yeah, we get to watch uh, Paul Rudd being quarantined at the beginning of the movie. It's gonna be oh. great. It's gonna be oh, really that's topical. gonna be a fun one to watch. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. Uh, but that's gonna do it for all of us. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can email it assemblyrequiredcast at gmail Follow the show on Twitter assemblycast at assemblycast on Twitter. Um, and thank you. Everybody who's been listening, we are all the way through Infinity War, which is kind of crazy. Like, look at this list of movies. We have done a podcast and sometimes multiple podcasts on every single one of the movies on this list. Do you guys know what day we started the podcast? I don't remember what uh, day or month we did. I don't know. Um, I was just thinking it about it. It was late a... March, wasn't it? We're coming up. Probably we're out of here. 
we're coming up we're coming up on the year um, right uh no because well because we, we talked about it at my wedding in may mm-hmm. oh that's right it was may uh, i'm right. thinking march 4th so, so it might have been fourth. you're right maybe keep stalling maybe i'll look June? it up um, i'm maybe just opening June? up the podcast app and i will tell you when our first episode premiered uh that's what i'm doing oh yeah. my gosh but but we've been going through this for a while our first episode came out on june 16th so that was episode okay. zero episode the zero. introduction well Thank you for anybody that's been sticking with us, and thank you to anybody who has kind of picked it up along the way. I know there's a lot to listen to to kind of catch up, and if you have, that's wonderful. If this is you're just here to listen to Infinity War, thank you as well. We really appreciate it. Um, we have been we had a com- conversation off the podcast during the last one where we're sort of sort of blown away at the response yeah. to this show. We're we're all kind of floored. We definitely started this show as just a way. I talk about this all the time. I bring this up in interviews. I, I haven't told any of you this, but I bring this up in interviews all the time whenever I have like a job interview. But they'll tell me, you know, because I always bring up the podcast because it, you know, I talk about like, you know, how I'm a host of a podcast and it, how I speak um, regularly. So it, it helps with it, with that sense. And then they'll ask, why did you start the podcast? And I say, I always give the same answer. I go, you know what? I moved away from all my friends and I wanted an excuse to get them all in a room together for us to talk. Um, and that was, that's like just, and it, like, I, it's like the truth. I just wanted an excuse for us to like, because we always had scheduling issues. We could never get all together. And I would be like, you know what? How about we just literally have to get it scheduled where we have, we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk mm-hmm. every week, whether we like it or not. And we're going to have a good time. Good thing, we like and, <laughs> <laughs> good thing we like it. And it has turned into something so much more. There's so much support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Uh, who has been listening and who has been supporting us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, but that's going to do it for all of us today. Um, D underscore Peaches, Gator Sacks 2010, Phil Kid 3, ABCD Eduardo 1. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Boobly, boobly. I don't want to go. No. <laughs> I don't want to go. I'm not I ready. I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs>